Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, it's Monday again. Here we go. <laughs> Marco's already there. That's so cool. All right. So Marco's in the Netherlands uh, checking in. So if anybody wants to check on live chat, um, I actually found out how live chat works because uh, last night I was on with uh, Lorianne um, Kellert on her show, The Lucid Libertarian. So that, that's a lot of L's for one sentence first thing in the morning. Lorianne, Lucid Libertarian, but that's okay. Lori's cool. Uh, Lori and I have worked together on, on different things. She was the one that helped get uh, Maj Touré of Black Guns Matter uh, onto the show here. And so uh, we share guests, we share, you know, tips on how to do this. And she's actually more high tech than I am. She's more of a, a techie kind of person. So she's been invaluable um, help to, I should get her on the show, but uh, she's not awake yet. <laughs> Sorry, she's in Oregon. Uh, and so Oregon is now five in the morning and she's not a morning person anyway. So her show goes 11 o'clock uh, at night, uh, my time, and I'm in the central time zone. And so midnight East Coast, but she's in Oregon, so they're Pacific Coast. So that would be nine o'clock. She's like a six to nine her time, uh, and I guess that you know that's like after lunch for Lori. But uh, I'll get her on sometime. Lori's Lori's great. So uh, Lori, Sarge, and I were were having it out last night on a couple of things, and of course the biggest one being um, my uh, my recent plan to get rid of all the illegal aliens in the United States. And it's fascinating. The more I get into it, the more I find out that the more the enemy actually admits what they're doing is completely illegal. It's really funny. Um, so Marco, I, like I said, I'd be curious how you guys deal with uh, illegal aliens over in the Netherlands. Um, you know, you've got the ocean on one side. Are, are they coming in by water? You know, what, what is it? They used to say Paul Revere, you know, one if by land, two if by sea. So uh, when the British were coming, they wanted to hang lanterns in the Old North Church. And even though they marched by land, they actually came by sea off boats. Uh, they didn't march up from the south or from some other place to attack Lexington and Concord. Uh, when our Revolutionary War, our, our War for Independence began, they actually came out boats, so it was by sea. And so they, that, that's when they knew they were coming to Boston Harbor and then marched up to Lexington and Concord for purposes of sealing, excuse me, uh, stealing back, well, not back, but stealing um, powder and, uh, and shot. Uh, they take the Austin. Marco says they, they take the ostrich approach to uh, illegal aliens in the Netherlands. Well, um, maybe you can do what we do. Well, let me ask Marco, uh, is there any possibility of starting like an action radio European branch where you actually, and we can talk off the air. I mean, you've got my email, uh, Greg at writeyourlaws.com. I'll put it right here so everybody sees it. Greg at writeyourlaws.com. Here we go. That way, uh, I'd love to coordinate something over uh, with the Netherlands, whether you do a social media group or a, a telegram or it doesn't matter. But um, I'd love to have folks in Europe writing bills for Europe, you know, and I'm not sure the connections with the European Union. I don't know how this would work in a parliamentary system. I mean, all these things are new and exciting for me because I want to be able to bring these to the rest of the world. Action Radio is not a U.S. only operation. We've already written a, a bill of rights for Australia. Uh, I the, I'm going to start using live chat more and actually put on website. Marco's the one that gave me, Marco's playing, right? So he gives me all these ideas. And one of the ideas, um, let me do a search and see if I put Australian Bill of Rights. Let's see what comes up, whether my, uh, my Bill here at Action Radio actually comes up. I'm going to start posting these things because the Australian Bill of Rights, let's go Action Radio, Action Radio, Australian. I'm doing this on a search. I could do this through my own website, but I want to see what the hell. 
Let's see if it actually comes up. Australia IAN Bill of Individual Rights. Australia is parliamentary. Uh, they have a prime minister. Australian Bill of Rights, 2017. Yeah, they're not. Uh, that's that's based on the UN Charter, so that's that's absolutely not. Uh, International Bill of Rights. No, that's that's UN Charter. That's all group rights. Yeah, they do. Okay, so let's. Uh, so Action Radio doesn't come up. So let me do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> you can find it on the, on WriteYourLaws.com. And so I will have this in just a second. Do, 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 all proposed laws. So you go to so to find the really good bills, you want to go to writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, the first section, propose a new law. That's where you write the actual bill that you want uh, to give to us. Citizen bill ideas is the second item on the legislation on the menu bar. That's that's like our committee hearing. That's where we discuss bills, work them out, uh, take comments, you know, improve them, amend them. And when they're ready to go, they go to all proposed laws. Now, all proposed laws are the ones that are ready for distribution to media uh, and government. And number four is the Australian Bill of Individual Rights. That one's by Marco. See if he has a chance to take a look. This is revolutionary. Uh, the first three rights, actually, now that, I, now that I have it here, the first three rights are the ones that define what rights are. Rights. Number one, all rights are individual. There are no group or collective rights. That sort of dumps the UN charter, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, number two, all rights are absolute within the context of the right. Any infringement on any right, regardless of crisis or severity, declared public purpose or justification, condition or emergency, declaration of emergency powers, war or pandemic, natural disaster, under any guise or pretense, safety or any other factor, real or imagined by government, is prohibited. So in other words, rights are absolute. You can't touch them. Okay? Pretty simple stuff. Uh, and remember, we're protecting the right, not what people do. What people do is something different. That comes under statutory law. But the right itself is what we're protecting. In other words, the right not to be affected by government before you do something. And that's called prior restraint. So, so rights basically are a way to stop the government from using prior restraint. You can't do this. You can't speak freely. You can't carry guns. You can't, even if you do nothing wrong carrying guns, right? Because you can do bad things with guns and you can do good, good things with guns, like, you know, save your life. Anyway, so the third one, these enumerated rights upon establishment of this Bill of Individual Rights are permanent rights of the people and are not subject to government suspension or revocation for any reason. Citizens have the right to, to a timely court challenge with a representative citizen jury for any violation of these individual rights. So that's just, and those are just, that's just the first three. This is a pretty comprehensive document. I'm going to leave this up because I might want to go over more of it. A lot of it is, is absolutely fascinating. So let's put that in here. And so Marco, like I see, Marco gave me the idea for posting websites in the live chat. And it's, it's kind of cool. So there it is. Uh, and if you don't have, uh, if you're not listening live, then it's going to be a little hard to get a hold of it. Because uh, I don't think these things go past the, uh, the actual show. But just go to writeyourlaws.com, uh, click on the menu bar, legislation, and then all proposed laws. And then, go to, and then scroll down, I think it's number four, the Australian Bill of Individual Rights. And there it is. All right. So back to... Uh, Back to some of the fun things going on. So we have a, a government-imposed emergency. In other words, this was not an emergency before. It was being handled by the Trump administration. There's absolutely no reason for what's going on in this country right now, especially since the government's illegal. So you can't expect legal actions from an illegal government. The government was stolen. Trump's right. All of us are right. In fact, I'm hoping that uh, James O'Keefe, uh, in his next 
iteration, you know, of the, the O'Keefe Media Group. In other words, the OMG. <laughs> oh, my God, right? So, so O'Keefe's new group is the OMG. Uh, I think you can, uh, uh, if you look up uh, O'Keefe Media Group, you can actually get, a, there's an email, there's like a, you know, a tips line, which I have written myself, actually. My tip for James O'Keefe and OMG, oh, my God, uh, O'Keefe Media Group, uh, is that they somehow get somebody on record uh, saying that the election was stolen. Uh, Democrat, Republican, doesn't really matter. Any official that uh, or a media person would be great too. But anybody who's saying that the election, no, you know, it's like uh, Katie Collins, you know, in the Trump uh, debate that she had. <laughs> she wasn't hosting a, a town hall; she was hosting a debate, you know, with her as prosecutor, you know. And so it was kind of funny, but she kept saying, "There's no evidence of election fraud." Well, is it, that's like a mantra out of uh, the Manchurian Candidate, you know. And I forget who the officer was, you know, is the kindest, gentlest, most wonderful human being on the planet. And they recited this mantra, knowing full well that they hated him. Lieutenant Shaw, Raymond Shaw. Lieutenant Shaw is the kindest, gentlest, most wonderful person on the planet. That's not the exact words, but you get the idea. All right, so a couple of announcements before we get into uh, the plan. First is that the UK and the Netherlands are growing fast. Canada and Australia aren't far behind, but my greatest growth um, internationally is the UK and the Netherlands. And I bet you a lot of it is because of Marco. So people are listening. Um, So that's how it happens. And so, Marco, if you're going to be the first citizen legislator in Europe to actually write legislation, that would be very cool. So what happens? He doesn't have to. I mean, you may have friends that do it. And you don't have to be a lawyer. This is, this is the key part about this. In fact, I think being a lawyer is, is a huge disadvantage to being a citizen legislator because law school teaches you all the things, first of all, that are wrong. Secondly, all the things that lawyers cannot do. In other words, do what we do. <laughs> you know? But because we don't have that lawyer training, we're free to do it. Now, can anybody read laws? Yeah, actually, most of them are pretty simple language. It's just that they're long. They're, they're more boring than they are technically difficult to read. Most laws are exceptionally boring, and most laws are way too long, like thousands of times too long. And so my job as, as you know, head of Action Radio and designing a system of citizen legislation is to make the bills as short, as short as possible. If you can't read it in like two minutes, it's probably not worth it. Now, the Australian Bill of Rights will take longer. But um, it's not that, you know, my articles are longer than the bills. The bills are actually very short because the problems in law are very short. You know, there's two places in law where it says uh, vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable, you know, for their vaccines. Well, it doesn't take a genius to change shall not, you know, shall not be liable to shall be fully liable. It's just two words, right? So you don't need a law degree to do that. You just need to be able to think, well, what's the opposite of shall not be? Well, shall be fully. Well, okay, well, that's easy. So that's how you do it. And so most of our legislation is that way. It's very simple, very straightforward, um, very easy to do. So that's the first uh, thing. Also, I should start doing shout outs because Action Radio is heard in some very interesting places. Armenia. Um, we're heard in Cuba. We're heard in the Solomon Islands. We're heard in Israel. We're heard in Sri Lanka. We're heard in the Bahamas, um, and we're blocked. <laughs> I, think, I think we're blocked in, I know we're blocked in Ukraine um, because you get this big space, you know, on the European map where we're not. You know, we're virtually every other country in Europe, uh, Latvia, Belarus, you know, all the Eastern Bloc, all the Western countries, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, doesn't matter. If it's one big blob in the middle, you know, of Ukraine, you know, between Russia and Europe, then the, you, nobody's here listening to us there, which is kind of strange, actually. The other one is uh, Taiwan. Taiwan has 6 million people freedom-loving people, and you would think that they would want to listen to Action Radio. We're blocked there, too. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, that's what's going on. Not my, <laughs> Marco says, not my skill set. Well, it's nobody's skill set, Marco. Nobody knows how to do this. 
you know, I didn't know how to do this, but at least it's easier for you because I've, I've already developed a system for how to do it. I can teach you how to do this. Marco, it's easy to write a bill. Uh, you have to, first of all, identify what you want to change. Um, you have to find in the law, and this isn't that difficult either. I can teach legal research in like five minutes. Uh, you do it by subject and uh, things like that. But you get, in, in the United States, we have the USC, the U.S. Code. And the code is where all the laws go. And then there's a code of federal regulations. That's where the regulations go. So you can look up either one. Anyway, so you, so you look up by subject area and you find the closest area to what you want to change. And then you look and find the exact things. You know, like we, we wrote a bill recently um, banning drug advertising in the United States. And all I had to do was find where drug advertising is authorized uh, in the, the uh, Food and Drug Administration Act, which is, they call it that, but it's actually a title and section now. So it's title, I'm a 42, I think, section, whatever it was. Anyway, point being, once we found it, uh, I, I found about 15 pages of, of technical legal things that allowed for drug advertising. So our bill simply says, okay, this is all repealed. <laughs> We're just going to revoke it uh, and replace it with a simple statement, drugs cannot be advertised. Uh, on uh, drugs, drugs, prescription drugs cannot be advertised except directly to health professionals. That's the bill. That was it. You know, one line. Okay. So we take, you know, pages and pages and pages, 15 pages or more of complex, you know, regulatory nonsense and just replace it with, you know, drugs cannot be advertised except to health professionals directly. Boom. <laughs> That's it. Marco, is that so difficult? You could do that. It's easy. Yeah, this, and this is the thing, too. People don't believe how easy it is. People don't believe how fast change can happen, too. All, all you have to do is share our bills and share our shows uh, with other media uh, and with uh, legislators, Congress, state legislators, local governments. It's easy. People don't do it because they don't think it's possible. They don't see anybody else doing it. So once they see somebody else doing it, so be the first. Be the first to share something. Once people see someone else sharing stuff, they'll share stuff, too. People are very... Uh, um, very kind of, I don't know, what the travel's not the right word, but they're very much, they don't want to be the first one out of the gate. So once they get approval from somebody else doing it, then it's okay. See, I, I can't do that. I can't share bills for people. Everybody knows I'm sharing the bills, you know, but all it takes is other people sharing the bills, and then once that happens, then the floodgates are open. All right, so again, we've got, uh, I'm going to check, I'm checking my messages periodically because Dorothy, uh, Johnson's not going to be here. So the next hour, uh, I've got stuff to do, and Dorothy's going to be here in the third hour. Uh, at some point, I don't know for, for, and for, you know, when exactly and for how long. So we're going to talk about that too. Okay. A couple more opening comments. Uh, and then we'll get to the good stuff here. The debt ceiling, the, the dear debt ceiling, the, um, the thing that Congress borrows money above, you know, they borrow money above the debt ceiling. They spend above the debt ceiling and then say, we have to raise the debt ceiling because obligations mean we have to raise the debt ceiling. Well, of course, because they borrowed money. Above the debt ceiling. If the debt ceiling is $31 trillion, then they borrow another $2 trillion above that. Oh, you've got to raise the debt ceiling. We have to meet our obligations or we'll default. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a bunch of BS. It's all a lie. All they had to do was not borrow above the debt ceiling in the first place, and there'd be no debt crisis because they'd be under the debt ceiling, right? It's, it's really simple stuff. And if you keep raising it, this is one hell of a high ceiling <laughs> because like, the ceiling is very easy to raise. So that's something, too. So that's a bunch of lies. But it's coming due June 1st. Uh, hopefully, the government will shut down. There'll be massive budget cuts and we'll, uh, you know, set the country right again. No, I'm not counting on that. Um, other thing, too, is any citizen advocate out there, if you want to write a bill, I'll get you on the air. Um, if, you, if you're just curious about this, you want to talk, get you on the air. In fact, this morning, I actually told a local group uh, that I would set aside this first hour. Uh, if they want to talk about the, the Milton um, Pensacola competition for, you know, cutest tourist town. We're not it right now. We could be, but we're not it. So I, I formed a new group. 
called the Action Radio Milton Renaissance Group. And so it's time for Milton to go through a renaissance, uh, and uh, hopefully that will happen soon. In fact, I even made a commercial about that. And so I made a promotional thing for Milton, which I'm going to play now just for fun. So this is, this is how – and I made this, what, four or five years ago? I made this way back you know, when I was at WBY. So that was a, whoop, a whole long time ago. Okay, I'm going to try. All right, Dorothy has a message. So let me play this. Uh, it's all about Milton, my hometown. And if you want to come here and uh, do good things and join our Milton Renaissance and join our uh, historic district, then we'd certainly love to uh, have you if you're an independent business. No chains, no big conglomerates, nothing like that. Small, independent mom and pop shops. Back in a bit. This is Greg Penglis, creator of Action Radio for my town, Milton, Florida. Milton, it's where I live. It's where you can live, too. It's where you can bring a new business, especially a business that helps our downtown historic district. We have everything in Milton. We have the Blackwater River. We have the Imogene Theater, built in 1912 and still booking national acts. We have Scoop's Ice Cream. We have Boomerang's Restaurant where I get my favorite Thai chicken pizza. We have an outdoor stage for music acts and free concerts by the river. The Blackwater Bistro will keep you in steak and seafood indefinitely. We have brew pubs creating great craft beers and giving us all a place to relax and talk. But it's more than just stuff and food and buildings. It's people. Remember the show Cheers where everybody knows your name? It's that kind of place. So if you're tired of the cities, of the traffic, the frenetic pace of life that doesn't seem to get you anywhere. If you want a small city that has incredible potential, that combines the best of historic buildings and modern, fun, small retail shops and restaurants, and a great waterfront, plus who knows what for the future, take a look at historic Milton, Florida, in the Panhandle, near Pensacola, and the world's greatest beaches on the Emerald Coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Milton is going through a renaissance. Maybe you can be part of making it happen. So I left this cool little tag music in case I wanted to talk over it. So yeah, there's actually YouTube of it, and so I might post that, but uh, that's my town. Um, so it looks like um, Dorothy Hope is going to join us in the next hour about uh, 8.30, so it's 7.20, now, uh, and so we'll see. But yeah, so I formed this group, and it's funny that I'm amazingly consistent. It's like things I said you know, years ago uh, come back. You know, I talked about you know, Milton is going through a renaissance, and I didn't connect it to it until just now. But uh, it's interesting that our Facebook group is, you know, the, the, the Action Radio Milton Renaissance uh, group. And so this is, it's fascinating, these, these consistencies. Things I've said on the show, you know, five, six years ago come back in the form of bills. And so I, you know, it's interesting to see the consistency uh, as far as that goes. Okay, so we're back. We've got lots to talk about here. And so let me just uh, start to get, get you a little sense of, of what's happening. So on to our, 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 our topic du jour. Okay, so as is very consistent, uh, in fact, if you want to call in, feel free. If you want to do live chat, feel free too. So the call in, 215-383-3832. So as is amazingly consistent, the, uh, you know, the hand-throwing crowd, they're called the hand-wringing crowd. <gasps> what are we going to do? Do you remember the show, uh, what was it, uh, Lost in Space? So Lost in Space uh, had a character, Dr. Smith. And Dr. Smith would go around saying, we're doomed, 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 no, we're all going to die. And he was, he was like the, you know, the, 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 the everything's going to go wrong person. 
just what you need on a, on a mission lost in space. Right? I think if, if I remember, he caused them to get lost in the first place. Anyway, so, um, so the, the Republicans are like that, as I call them, the GOP gelding old party. And if you don't know what gelding is, uh, look it up. Marco, you know what a gelding is? Marco's in the Netherlands for the, the new listener or folks just joining us. It's kind of, I mean, I pick my words very carefully. I'm, you know, kind of a wordsmith, so I like to, to get the most accurate description I can. And so the GOP to me is the gelding old party. Uh, they can't act, they can't do anything, they're just, you know, fat and lazy sitting around, maintaining their deep state privilege and money. And so that's, that's the job of most Republicans is to be losers. And so they're quite happy being losers. They like being losers. They like not doing anything. They like talking a good game, but when it comes to actually doing anything, they can't. They just, they can't, and they won't. They won't. They will not take a positive action, not since Newt Gingrich. Back in the 90s, have the Republicans done anything significant that I can see other than complain? And so there's the problem. So if you've got complaining, gelding Republicans, and you've got absolute Marxist Democrats, you've got a problem because there is no opposition. Uh, in fact, the Republicans, you know, I, I'd love Republicans to be more like Democrats in the sense of actually doing something. Because Democrats do something, but they're, to me, they're the, the biggest terrorist group in the country today. Yep. Marco, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Marco gets it. Uh, <laughs> big laughs on here. So a gelding is a castrated horse. Of course, it has to be a castrated male horse, um, Marco, because you can't castrate a female horse. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, ah, yeah. You've got to tell me how you do that big smiley face. It's hysterical. Uh, anyway, so that, that's what it is. So, so it could be more Republican than, Republican than uh, the gelding old party. And so those that don't look it up don't understand. All right. So back to the issue at hand. So you've got uh, basically um, the illegal alien open border is simply the Democrat voter registration program. It's about vote fraud. It's about bringing in people. It's about the great replacement. Okay. Now, whenever you hear the words great replacement, what the left says is talks about the right, you know, elite, you know, being, and of course they're wrong about it because they always, they always characterize uh, America first uh, patriots as something completely different than what we are. Uh, with words like white supremacists, which, of course, is what uh, the Nazis were, and the Nazis are leftists. So the ultimate white supremacists are the Nazis. The ultimate, you know, uh, and it takes a totalitarian government to be a supremacist of any kind. If anything, we're in a black supremacy in this country. You know, with higher SAT scores being automatically given, with, with uh, college scholarships, with uh, admissions to med school based on skin color, you know, it's a, you know, of, of uh, people looting and rioting and getting out of jail free as opposed to, you know, white Christian uh, uh, folks that are in the D.C. gulag for, for January 6th. Anyway, we've, got, we've got black supremacy nation, affirmative action, reparations, we're basically, you know, black supremacy is what this country is in now. And it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating because the Democrats who are proposing black supremacy are the very few people who are keeping our, our, our black Americans, you know, in substandard public housing, public schools, and horrible economic zones. And then, of course, you get violence, you know. So, uh, uh, and then they have gun control, which guarantees, you know, violence. <laughs> it's kind of an opposite. But anyway, um, we talk about that a lot. And we'll be talking about it a lot more. But back to, the, back to the issue at hand. So the Republicans run around screaming and yelling like, you know, uh, like uh, chickens in a, in a hen house, uh, saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the, the truth is they don't want to do anything. Because if they did, they'd implement our plan because our plan is good. You know, it's very simple. How do you get rid of a whole bunch of illegal, it's like 50 million? Well, gee, Greg, how'd you get that figure? Well, it's pretty simple. You got 15 million or so illegals that are going to come in under under Brandon. That could be wrong. Let's say it's only 10 million. Well, then you get you know, then you got 45 total, but you got at least 30 uh, to 35 million Americans already here. Well, it's time to go home. Okay, and so you know, you get all these. The, the, there's two objections 
to getting rid of the illegal aliens. The Republicans don't want to do it because a lot of their rich corporate friends and donors employ illegal aliens illegally in their businesses so they can make greater profits uh, and not hire Americans. Of course, that hurts all Americans. So you've got these, con- these companies that are amazingly not only unpatriotic, but actually, actually against this country. They'd rather make a profit off an illegal alien than hire an American. Well, what kind of moral standard is that? There isn't one. But that's the Republican side of it. The Democrat side of it is, is, is just purely vote fraud. They want power. Democrats want power. Republicans want money. Money and power are the root of all evil. Well, actually, the love, not, Shakespeare said the love of money and power. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money and power are not evil if used uh, properly. In other words, spent individually on stuff that you know, makes you happy. <laughs> but if money is used to oppress other people, yeah, it's a problem. And same thing with power. Power is used to oppress people. That's a problem, too. So the love of money, of, the love of money and power and power uh, is the root of all evil and certainly the root of the deep state. And so this is the situation we have where millions, literally millions of people are coming across the border. And that is the great replacement, folks. You know, when the left uh, accuses the, you know, America first, you know, MAGA folks of the, uh, the great replacement, what they're saying is that white people don't like being around brown and black people. Okay, that's a bunch of nonsense because, you know, all races are all kind of scattered around this country anyway. <laughs> so if we didn't like being around each other, there'd be a race war. And there isn't a race war, so we don't have a problem with race. But government does, and the Democrats do. That's the issue. So the great replacement is that Americans get abortion and get COVID shots and get death and uh, early, you know, graves, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the, and the, the government's quite happy with that. So, so uh, you know, replacing Americans, you know, with abortion and COVID and by hospital and everything else uh, with illegal aliens who get free stuff, you know. And so, uh, so that's the great replacement. It's not based on race. It's just based on citizenship. And so the whole idea is to bring in illegals, make them legal, and have them vote for Democrats. So that's where we stand. So those two powerful forces, Republicans you know, wanting money and Democrats wanting power, there's no incentive to actually make this country you know, safe for Americans. And so I believe that we have a right to an America free of illegal aliens. I believe that's one of our natural rights of citizenship is to not be uh, you know, surrounded in, a, in your own country with non-citizens. Okay, I mean, that's pretty simple. It's pretty basic stuff. And the only reason to come to the United States as an immigrant uh, is if you're going to make things better for us, the Americans. Not, not better, for, you know, I don't care if you want to, I mean, everybody wants a better life. So, so to say, they're just coming here for a better life. Well, everybody wants a better life. Name one person who doesn't want a better life. I mean, that's just stupid. Everybody wants a better life. But that's no reason to come here unless you're going to make life better for Americans. That's the reason that we bring immigrants here. We don't bring immigrants here to help them. We bring immigrants here to help us. Why? Because it's our country. I, I'm an immigrant. I came here, you know, my family came here to make life better by starting a business and to employ Americans. Didn't work out so well, but that's not the point. You can't guarantee a business succeeds. Um, this one will. Action Radio will succeed. So whereas my, uh, my folks could not make a business work that was going to be viable and hire a lot of Americans, Action Radio is going to be huge worldwide. Oh, we're going to hire a lot of people. <laughs> Maybe not that many. I don't need that many to do what we do here because mostly it's going to be volunteers, you know, just regular citizens, you know, uh, sharing the bills. That's, that's going to be, you know, that's 99% of what we need. It's just people out there, just regular people sharing the bills. All right. So there's the problem. I've outlined the problem. And that's pretty much where it stands, that the Geldings and the Democrat Marxists will just uh, go, oh, no, we have to get the Biden administration to solve the border crisis. Okay. There's no stupider comment out there than that. Right now, that is the dumbest comment. 
the first of all, there's no Biden administration. There's simply the there's the Brandon coup. It's an illegal government. So you can't ask an illegal government to do anything because they're not legal. They don't care. If you haven't gotten rid of them, you, have, you know, you, it's like why would a bank robber robber care uh, if they can get away with robbing banks? What are what are they going to do? They're going to rob more banks. Why would the Brandon insurrection under Obama care what you think or what you say uh, as long as you let them illegally run the country? They don't care. Okay, and not enough people are sharing the show to make me a target yet, but we will. <laughs> we'll be a target. That's when I know I'm getting somewhere. So I, I kind of, you know, I'm almost looking forward to my, my FBI arrest so that at least I'll, I'll know I'm, I'm making it. <laughs> I know that's kind of an interesting standard, but that's where we stand. Um, so FBI, KGB, if you're listening, uh, you know, call in the show, 215-383-3832. Happy to discuss your, uh, your unconstitutional elections, your, your terrorism, your Marxism, and your oppressive government, national security state uh, modeled on the KGB. Happy to talk about that. It's not a problem. All right. So what do we do? What we don't do is listen to our political leaders that are throwing the hands up saying there's nothing we can do. What we don't do is listen to people that say, we have to get Brandon down to the border. That's like saying we have to get Al Capone down to the illegal, you know, whiskey distillery. <laughs> Why? He, you know, he, he, that's his business. Okay. You know, Al Capone's, we talked about this last night with Laurie and, and Sarge, you know, getting Brandon to the border is like getting Al Capone, you know, down to a whiskey distillery during prohibition. He doesn't care. That's his business. He'll say, oh, no, it's terrible. We'll have to do something about this and then make, and make more whiskey and sell it because that's his business. What is the business of Democrats? The business of Democrats is bringing in people illegally to create more Democrats. That's their business. That's their job. So the idea of bringing you know, Brandon down to the border to do something, all he's going to do is congratulate you know, the Border Patrol concierge service, you know, the greeters, uh, letting in more illegal aliens. And he's going to take more power from them. He's put 1,500 military troops on the border. For what? Paperwork. That's it. And, and diaper changing. That's what they're doing, paperwork and diaper changing. They're not, mil- they're not acting as military. If they're acting as military, they'd be uh, taking out the cartels in Mexico. <laughs> you know, so I fully expect Trump to order uh, raids on the cartels in Mexico uh, as a national security issue. And if the Mexican government objects, what are they going to do? We're the United States. We're bigger than they are. Okay, so that's, a, that's, that's the easy solution is you take out the cartels. We'll talk about that later, too. So if the cartels show up and take me out, then someone else is going to have to pick up the show. It's just that simple. All right, so let's get to the article. So I proposed several things, and I have proposed uh, a bunch of stuff, and what it really revolves around um, is uh, – I'll, I'll get rid of that one. I'm trying to close my windows. It really revolves around not rounding people up and not raiding homes and not – uh, having all kinds of problems. Oh, there we go. <laughs> this is interesting. This is funny. Dorothy's on the line already, um, but she was talking uh, Eastern time, and I'm actually uh, Central time here. So let me, because I, oh, Dorothy, don't go away. I'm, I'm going to take it right now. But because we haven't really started the article, I'll get to that after. And I've had to talk to Dorothy anyway. She's like the coolest chick on the planet. So uh, let me let me see if I can get let's get her theme. Um, let me just do a little scrolling here and. Okay, there we go. So, we're, so we, you know, politics and sex aren't that different. They just aren't. So as soon as I find her report, we'll get to Dorothy, and then we're going to totally digress. I love my show because I can do anything. I'm the boss. I got buttons. You know, we'll just, uh, we'll just improvise here. So let me get Dorothy's theme. Uh, ah, there it is. Back in a bit with a totally different conversation. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But... Are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? 
It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Yeah, there's that central uh, Eastern time zone thing, right, Dorothy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, forget about time change. Yeah, so, no what is okay. it, so what time is it there? It's uh, 7.30, 7.32 now. Oh, that's We're an hour behind you. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. I can improvise. I can think on the fly. That's okay. You know, that's I'm, I, I, my, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's why my beautiful friend, Lori Cohen-Peters, hasn't responded yet because I think it's 5.30 there. And I was like, oh, you should come <laughs> on with me and Greg today. You talk about nutrition time zones, Lori. and corruption and I mean, health. Uh, Dorothy, she is, time zones. She's really fascinating. <laughs> I was thinking Lori yeah, when I talked to Oregon last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have it's that on really your phone? It's really such a scam, the time zones. Mm-hmm. Hmm? No, it's a good thing. No, time oh. zones are essential. You know, how would you, Did you uh, ask me if I got a new phone? No, I was going to say, do you, have, do you have time zones on your phone? Because you can go to, oh. in fact, I have a bunch of different countries on my phone. It's, it's kind of cool. I've got, I uh, oh yeah, then you said, oops, time difference. <laughs> That's funny. I'm not so a fan of a, my phone. It's probably there. My 15-year-old could find it. I, I, don't, I don't investigate it as much as I uh, probably yeah. should. Yeah, I got London for Greenwich so, Mean Time, Honolulu, Berlin, Jerusalem, Guam, Tehran. You know, Melbourne, <laughs> Ho Chi Minh City. All these different countries are on my phone. Their time zone. Those anyway, are all on my bucket list. I can't wait to start traveling again. I haven't been traveling for a long time because of, oh, no. you know, my, my, my conscious uncoupling and my um, buying a house. But I'm ready to Sex and travel. We've got to talk about sex and travel. Mm, there is a funny, funny song, now that I think about it. Um, Jason Derulo did a song about uh-huh. um, going around the world. He is so cute. Jason Derulo is the cutest pop star he's very positive he's a little um explicit sexually but very positive which is why i love him he talks about his mom and not in sex but like just he's just cute so he did a song about going around the world and like and so then saturday night live did a parody of it that was very funny that you're reminding me of um where the women did a song about about getting their passport um stamped in every country and anyway and, and getting any, anything else in any country? I'm just curious. Well, they meant passport stamped as a code. <laughs> oh, okay. I, yeah. I, have to, I have to work on my subtleties. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I met a lot of fabulous women traveling around Europe when I was 22 years old. You know, so uh, it was great. It was wonderful. I would say advice for traveling now is how to be careful, to be honest. So we talk about mm-hmm. the five layers of sexuality. We talk about flatline, presentational, mm-hmm. animated, emotional, and soulful and I would say the ability for a woman to uh, play through those um, levels intentionally is very skillful, especially when traveling. So um, if you're protecting your body and you're being aware of your environment, you would probably go a little bit into flatline and uh, a truly realized woman sexually um, can access soulful sexuality, which is what I was going to talk about today a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we've been talking about the five feminine geniuses and the interplay with the five layers of sexy and why, why they're so important. And um, women can get stuck in one of the layers due to pressures from religion, 
trauma, body shame, um, messaging from social media, gets a lot of women stuck in presentational sexuality. And here comes our lovely garbage trucks. My dogs are going to go crazy here. <laughs> That's okay. We're used to it. I mean, I, I get garbage yeah, trucks going by, it. but my microphone's directional, so you don't hear them. But uh, yeah, okay. we've had birds tweet in uh, in Belize, and we've had cats and dogs. It's just, you know, we just we just keep rolling on. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's real life. I kind of love it. It's, it's mm-hmm. sound effects you can't uh, you can't imitate. But we don't edit. Could, but we, yeah. we, we take all the real life we can get. <laughs> just put it right in the show. There mm, they go. I love it. Real yeah. life. So for a woman to be in soulful sexuality, which is the um, pinnacle of true expression, it's where the heart, the body, and the mind are all connected. There's a flow. So it frequently when a woman is flatlined, or a man can be flatlined also, um, uh-huh. if it's unintentional the flatlined, there's, well, <laughs> there's no that. connection to their own sexuality. Yeah. And, and that usually means not a lot of realization of their own emotions. Those two things go hand in hand. Because uh-huh. when a woman's connected to her heart and her true emotions, and she's self-supportive, and she's self-supportive, and she chooses pleasure, and she chooses self-care. These are part of the pathways to soulful sexuality. So part of being in flatline is a total disconnect uh, from the different parts of our being, right? They're disconnected. They're not talking to each other. And uh, soulful is the ability to, when something happens or as we're moving through life, to be aware of our own feelings, emotions, to be able to counsel and coach ourselves through that and um, have compassion and, and sit with the different parts of ourselves. And that brings a great level of joy and radiance and um, the ability to be with others now in their emotions, which then mm-hmm. allows you to be with them sexually in a playful way, in an accepting way, in a communicative way. Um, when t- feelings that triggers come up of, of, you know, if I feel criticized or if I feel embarrassed or, you know, all the feelings that can come up during sex that may not be great, I'm able to recognize that this is me and process mm-hmm. it a little and then communicate it if it's appropriate. And so all these things create a very healthy relationship where both the masculine and feminine feel very safe there and um, having a lot of fun. Yeah, masculine doesn't have to feel safe. Uh, I know you say that, but, uh, we, you know, I think we have to feel adventurous and free. And it goes back to my, mm-hmm. my original free. contention. Free, I would agree with that, you 100%. Free. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Men, you know, and I, well, I said this a long I time ago safe, before. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. When I say safe for the masculine in this in this in this instance, what I mean, if she is very reactive when he expresses himself, when he says, this is what I want and this is where I'm at, and she gets very reactive, he will then perhaps stop doing that. And so when I say safe, I just meant, I, I wasn't specific, I meant the, the willingness and ability to really be himself and be free, right? Without triggering her and cause an emotional that. breakdown. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I always like to throw in the guy point of view because I know that women and men look at things so differently. This is why uh, I think it only adds to, to both our understandings uh, to, mm-hmm. to point out these little things. But guys, you know, I've always said that guys feel uh, secure when they're free and women feel free when they're secure. Uh, and 100%, that difference, Greg. Yeah, that's, that's I love the it. whole... I agree with thank you, you. And, I, and I love that yeah. you're saying that out loud, that men need mm-hmm. to feel free. And for a man to feel free, a woman has to be very... Uh, comfortable with herself mm-hmm. and be able to be free in her in her emotions and her femininity and soft and receptive and um, if he can't be himself and express mm-hmm. himself and lead and she doesn't trust him and feel safe he, he will begin to shut down and pull away uh, mm-hmm. because he wants that freedom that freedom to be himself and be a man 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that doesn't mean cheating. That doesn't mean running around. That doesn't mean doing all the things that people think of because that's not freedom. Uh, that's Correct. just being, you know, horrible. <laughs> but but in terms of, of freedom of spirit of conscious of being able to say things, it's like uh, mm-hmm. you know experiences in my past. You know, uh, and I said, well, what do you? I want I want to know your true feelings, and so I give them right. And then person X would then say, uh, well, those aren't your true feelings. I'm like, well, who are you to judge? I just told you my true feelings. Mm-hmm. If you don't accept mm-hmm. what I say, then and, and that shuts down guys. You know, it's like when women say we have to talk. That's the fastest way to shut down a guy. We have to. Why do we have to talk? You know, I mean, I don't know how to talk right now. First of all, have to, for me, have to connote slavery. So I don't want to get into these words that should and have to. I like to try to eliminate those. Have to means you're a slave. You don't have to do anything. Let's, I think it would be great if we could do this. Is there a time that works for you? I really want to share how I'm feeling about this. And I want to hear how I can make it better for you. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. ways, you know, there's ways to, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like men prefer if they know it's coming up ahead of time. It's not dropped on them. They have maybe a, a range well, of a schedule. Like, if you say we have to talk, say we have to talk about. You know, give the guy mm-hmm. an about. You know, what do we have to talk about? Yeah. Because then, because then the guy mm-hmm. can process it, right? If you just say we have to talk, to me that's controlling. Because now you're threatening. Because it's like you know, I have a secret. I am thinking there's something that really bothers me, and I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm going to let you stew about mm-hmm. it and really imagine the worst. Yeah. So that's the wrong way to approach it. But it's not I compassionate, sort of, Greg. It's no. not compassionate. It's, it's from a fear base. It's from a fear control, which is mm-hmm. the dark feminine shadow. That's the, the shadow of the feminine is fear and control. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got to talk about. Well, that's the opposite. That's insecurity. I think insecurity, the way to, to mm-hmm. get to the, the, the evil side of security is control. You know, but anyway, I got a question that I thought of earlier as we were talking here. Mm-hmm. How much do women mm-hmm. think about sex and, have their, and their sexuality? So in other words, guys think about sex mm-hmm. almost constantly. You know, see a pretty woman, it's like, huh. You know, I mean, the thoughts immediately like, huh, I wonder if I could sleep with her. You know, um, not that you want to, not that you're even going to, but just the, the, your orientation as a guy is automatically, Okay, hmm. I'm happy to, yeah. So let's, I, I don't know the exact answer, but I can tell what women do think about So mm-hmm. and, and what, what affects it. So if a woman is obviously flatlined sexually, that is not going to be a thought that occurs. She's only thinking in survival mode at this point. And okay. so a healthy woman who's connected with her emotions um, and her hormones are in balance, and uh, she's receptive and happy and loves her body, I would say the feminine tends to more think about connection, communication, and relationships and feeling um, protected, sort of this emotional feeling of, and then if there's that in place, like he's handsome, I have a good like feeling about his energy, he's smiling a lot, he seems compassionate, um, then the thoughts will go to sex. And again, as a woman gets older, in her 40s, um, and the hormones start sort of balancing, <laughs> testosterone gets a little higher, I think that happens more. I think she's more comfortable, usually more comfortable with her body. Ooh. Usually she's been around the block. She's had a lot of um, experiences. Sure. She's not so insecure, hopefully not so performative. And so um, I don't believe that a woman in her, um, a woman in a typical female body has the sex drive that a man has at all. And if she is that pursuing super sexual and again, not always, but frequently there's another driving factor behind it. It's not necessarily um, that super horny, like I see it. So, so men are very visual. I, you know, women tend to be uh, more emotional 
yeah, with their yeah. with their I, sexual I say, turn on. We're going to act on it. You know, I, I used mm-hmm. to say this one in my twenties. It's like, you know, I, I love going to bars, and it's like I, I don't have to sleep with every woman in the bar. I just like to think I can. <laughs> you know, that, that was my arrogance, my arrogance of youth. Yeah. And it was fine. I didn't. And women know, not want that I would, to be seen. You know. So, so women want yeah. to be seen by the masculine. That their more drive is to, um, to see, you know, does he see me? Does he smile? Does he appreciate me? Um, and then not necessarily does he want to f me. You know. <laughs> That's so crude. I, I hate that word. Therefore, it just doesn't. Well, doesn't and do then it for also. Me. Mm-hmm. But also they might go in that direction in an effort to be seen. So the insecurity mm. and the desire to be seen and the feeling of not being noticed, they might go into their masculine or the presentational sexuality, right? So I'm going to present mm-hmm. super sexy in an effort to be seen when in reality what needs to happen is she needs to do some healing and get in touch with her emotions and feel really happy because a woman that's super happy and connected mm-hmm. is seen. She's seen a lot and she has a lot of opportunity for appreciation and for um, connection, but what happens is a woman, due to insecurity and past things that happen in her child wounding, will cut off herself from her emotions, will cut off, will build up walls and defenses, and instead put on a bunch of makeup, get a boob job, do her hair perfect, and go out into the world very presentational but not really deep. And so the kind of attention she's getting now, how she's seen, is very superficial and temporary. So a high-quality man is not going to take a lot of time with that. They're not going to spend... A high-quality man's not going to um, commit to that for a very long time. Is going to get bored with that very quickly, right? So you might. Well, get yeah, that you know, women that think being, a boob job yeah. is going to get a guy. We don't care. I mean, yeah, we should, they're nice to look at, but that's as far as it goes. You know, then the mm-hmm. next question is, who are you? You know, what's going on yeah. in your brain? How much do you do like and respect and appreciate me? You know, as a man. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. So boob job or no boob job? Yeah. You know that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it's great for like I say. Well, I fit, this is another this is another guy theory of mine that initial attraction lasts about twenty to thirty seconds, and after that mm. you better have something else. So in other words, yeah, oh, she looks fabulous. Look at look at those knockers, you know. And it's it, and then, okay, so let's talk. And if you sound like a complete airhead, <laughs> you know, I don't care how how good your body is, you're going to lose it. And so that that's a that, but guys won't admit that because they they have to think that you know attractiveness is everything because that's what we're told. We're told males are visual, so it almost reinforces the stereotype. Well, I'm a guy. Has well, to be visual. and also evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. If you have a woman with a waist to hip ratio, with clear skin, with a bright smile, with so a lot of things that can be faked or you mm-hmm. know or can be you know done with cosmetics and aesthetics and presentational. It's, you know, that is a good breeding ground for survival of the genes. So that, that's a fact thing. It's like if you're present, presenting is very useful, you're presenting as um, super curvy, you know, instinctually a man's going to want to put his seed there. Can I say that? Well, wait, yeah. Of course you can mm-hmm. say it. You can say anything you want. Um, yeah, but, but I'm but just curious. But do you think the guys walk around and, and see a woman with an incredibly body and go, I really want to have children with her. Do you, do you really think that's yeah, in the no, conscious not or in the subconscious mind? Okay. Yeah, we're talking subconscious, very primitive instinct from, you know, so many, okay. so many years. Yeah. So it's some of the primitive. Survival. So what's the primitive feminine instinct then? Mm. Mm. To have protector provider. Okay. To have a protector, be careful, to be careful yep. with who she, who she allows to penetrate both emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Freedom and security. That's, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the yin and yang true. of men and women. Yeah. I think we're onto something. Here. Uh, okay. It's so beautiful and it works really well. And, you know, when we talk about this, I can hear, you know, the traditional or the current mainstream culture say freedom. Like you said earlier, that he, oh, he wants freedom to go spread his seed. Not necessarily. No. Um, 
not necessarily just freedom to be a man out in the world and feel successful and feel like strong. And well, freedom within or... the relationship too. So in other mm-hmm. words, this is something, this is a whole nother show. But if we talk about, especially for men, what is, what does it mean for men to be free within a relationship? They don't want to cheat, want to be monogamous. They want to have the best relationship they can, but they still want the freedom within it. Don't bug me every mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Yes. I'm going to go hang out in the man cave. You know, yes, I, I'm going to pursue, you know, with me, my jet, you know, uh, you know, and that's okay. You know, come with me. Come with, come up with the jet. You know, let's go hang upside down over, uh, you know, Pensacola Beach at 500 miles an hour. Let's be like blue angels. That to me is freedom. Doesn't mean I want to cheat or run away or anything like that. But I'm just using, you know, me as an example. But most guys, I believe, are in that same area. They want the freedom within the relationship. And I think women see that freedom as a threat to the relationship. And I think that's what causes a lot of problems. Well, women, a lot of women were brought up in families or in environments where they never had that feeling of being adored and cherished by their father of being cared for and totally protected and provided for. And so that is essential. And we can talk about the nuclear family again, but that is essential for a woman. So if she didn't have that and there was no male role model, no uncle, no stepfather, anybody to give her that there's a deep hole in a deep wound that needs to, she's going to have to do a lot of work on because okay. if that's missing, then we have codependence. Then we have, she is never going to be allowed him to be free. She's always going to be suspicious, always going to want more, 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 more. The hole is never filled, right? Um, yeah. If you love me, I, you wouldn't buy another gun. The two have nothing to do with each other. Wait a minute, huh? Trip or calling, you can't go on a business trip. You can't go on a trip with your friends. Exactly. You can't go two days without texting me. I mean, this is real and this is epidemic, and I'm not immune to it. I've had that in, in my experience, too. I had to do a lot mm-hmm. of healing. Um, I do want to touch today because I promised I, I would or I sure. talked about it. Get back on um, topic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I just want to spend a few minutes. I've had a lot of these questions come up lately. Um, huh. I work with a lot of women that are entrepreneurs or out in the business world, um, producers and uh, doctors. And one question that comes up is I, I feel like I'm, I'm playing with soulful sexuality. I feel like I've achieved the, either the emotional sexuality, which is the fourth layer, or the fifth, the soulful sexuality, which is a really wonderful place for a woman to be. It's really so nourishing for her feminine soul, yet out in the workplace, it doesn't work. I need to be in my masculine brain. I need to be going point A to point B. I need to have linear thinking. I need to be organized. I need to be directional. I need to be a leader. I need to be clear. I'm, I'm not going to have the receptive feminine language I would at home with my intimate partner, but it's very challenging as it is for men who come home from that world mm-hmm. sometimes to shift into uh, a whole different mode of being a wonderful person in an intimate relationship for their masculine man. And, and so how do, how do I do that is the question. And I think it's a great question and there are ways to do it that I was going to, I was going to touch on and it's just in a simple way. And um, mm-hmm. this conversation could be very long, but, um, so we'll pick it up next week. One, one wonderful tool is um, to, you've been in your brain all day, and uh, before you pull in the driveway, maybe you even stop at the coffee shop, or maybe you stop somewhere quiet and sit in your car, or maybe just in the parking lot, and you do a couple of things that feel really good in your body. Put on some soft music, maybe stretch and roll the neck, and as your neck stretches and rolls, around you really notice let your awareness go into where that sensation is and and allow yourself to feel pleasure there um 
and then maybe do some deep breathing. There's lots of breath work tricks that are wonderful, like the square breathing, where you inhale for four, hold at the top for four, exhale for four, and hold at the bottom for four. So like a few rounds of that. And there's other breath work that actually gets you back into your body and out of your head and sort of grounds you. And then one wonderful tool is, um, you know, and I, and I love, I'm just going to throw out the Embodied Feminine Woman Institute. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the leader is Geo, um, complicated Italian last name. She's lovely. And <laughs> this is partially from her, uh, well, I think it's Tucker Relly. She's just, her work is so good. She's worked with relation, in relationships and with the feminine for a long time. And she's one of my favorite people. But um, so this is partially Bring from her, her and it's beautiful. Um, yeah. So a woman can place her hand on her heart and kind of close her eyes. And this is where we want to go. We want to come out of the brain and, and get back in touch with, with the heart and how the feelings are and where, and where you're at today. And so she envisions a zipper, which I love. So you can just put your hand in your heart and listen to your feelings. But this visual, I think, is even more powerful uh, where Did you, you imagine zipper? your heart has, your heart has you been say? zipped up. Mm-hmm. Oh, your heart's been zipped up, zipped up right. all day, mm-hmm. and you slowly unzip it, visually unzip it. I'm doing this right now while we're talking. And wow. when you unzip it, you, you then reveal all the feelings that are there. And then you just start looking and listening and asking your heart, maybe even going through your day and saying, how did that feel when that happened? How do you feel about how the day went? How do you, how does your body feel right now? Tired, exhilarated, you know, extra cortisol, sort of stressed. How do we feel? And just sit with that for a, a, as long as you have time for to really process. And then ask your heart, and what do you need? And what do you need? And just listen. And when you get, when you're doing this regularly, your heart will speak to you. And your heart might say, I need a hot bath or I need a big cry, or I need to talk to my mom, or I need to share my brags about what I accomplished today with my best friends. I'm going to get on a FaceTime call. I do this all the time with my girls. And just, mm. just unleash, unleash, like, oh, my gosh, can you believe this happened? And she said this, and then this, and then I did this, and I was so proud of myself. There's a lot of um, needs you can meet, actually, on the way home, where you get back in touch with your feminine, and you renew yourself, and maybe you do need to stop and get a smoothie and a little self-care on the way home. And, but this heart listening uh, will get you back into your feminine. We'll get a woman back into her feminine and uh, like paying attention to the body and how it feels, heart listening, and a little bit of moving towards pleasure and self-care. And then when you see your partner, you're back, you're back in business of, of being that wonderful feminine and that mm-hmm. receptive and the listening. And um, anything out from the masculine world, you can... Um, shake that off with girlfriends and uh, process and you can just bring to him your lovely self, which doesn't mean you can't talk about your day, but you'll end up talking about it a little differently, a little softer. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, do you teach yoga by chance or, or anything like I that? Do. I do. Well, I, so. teach, I teach feminine dance, which is uh, like a yoga Pilates exotic dance blend physically. Yeah. Um, I want you to. I want I've you to listen. Yoga for twenty five years. 
Yeah, I want you to listen to your voice uh, when you get a chance to listen to this podcast because you went into teacher mode. It was fascinating. You slowed mm-hmm. down. You paused between sentences. Your voice lowered. <laughs> it, it, was, it was an amazing <laughs> transformation that took place. And, yeah. and so you should listen to yourself because, you know, you, and I don't even know if you were conscious of it, but you changed everything about the way you spoke. It was fascinating. I was originally conscious of it, and then it became not so conscious. So it was originally when I taught, that was absolutely something I consciously did to make sure that my women could relax and feel sensual. Mm-hmm. And so when I myself go into that place, then that, this is just what happens, right? Because mm-hmm. well, I, I, mean, I might do the same thing. I might, you know, if you, if you meet me on the street, the way I talk, it's probably not that different than what I do on the show because I really try to be as authentic as possible. You know, I, I don't have like the radio persona. Hey, it's a beautiful day in Milton. Sunny skies. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I don't do that. Okay. I do that for fun, but I don't do that. But, um, mm-hmm. but voice definitely, uh, definitely changes. So that, no, it's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think it's fascinating. Um, I wrote something down while you were talking, uh, a new term mm-hmm. that uh, you might uh, be able to use. And I wrote down emotionally ambidextrous. And the reason mm. I thought about and the reason I thought about that is because you were talking about, you know, being out in man world and being linear and decisive and all that kind of stuff. And then you talk about going back to woman world and being sensitive and soft and, and, and all these both are wonderful things. I tend to think you actually do both. And so me too, mm. you can't have yin without yang, can't have yang without yin. You can't be in man world or woman world without being man and woman together. And I really believe we're dual people. Uh, but I don't think most people are aware of it. I think a lot of people are much more dominant in both. I think I am much more closer to equal in both with, with, with male being stronger because I'm a dude. Um, but I was thinking of flying lessons. When I used to get flying lessons. Flying is, is, is a definitely, if you look at it from the male point of view, decisive, control. You know, you're the pilot in command. You have an altitude and you have a heading and you have things that you have to do. And at the same time, I'm watching everything about my student. I'm listening to their breathing. I'm watching their hands. I'm checking the color of their skin. I'm, I'm checking how nervous they are. I'm absolutely, in, as an empath, absolutely in tune with everything they're doing. I don't even have to look at them. I can hear it in their voice. And I can tell by their movements on the airplane and the, and the, and the decisive power and how much throttle they apply or, or don't, you know, and when they make the decisions. I know everything about them. And so to me, I, you know, I think of myself as emotionally ambidextrous. I can do both at the same time. I bet you can too, but I don't think you've thought about it or maybe you're as conscious of it, but I bet you are just as masculine and feminine at the same time, or maybe there's a flip back and forth, 60-40 kind of thing. You know, I think mm-hmm. most people are probably like 80-20, but I'm much mm-hmm. closer to 60-40. And you might be too, but I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. Well, I feel like part of the skill and this, um, the evolution for mm-hmm. me personally as a woman in this real world <laughs> where sometimes I have to do my taxes or I have to deal with a contractor of my house. And I think one of the beautiful skills is the ability to at first consciously um, claim your integrated masculine or feminine when it's appropriate and mm-hmm. then to be able to soften because it nourishes your soul. So for me as a woman, I go in, I go into it, right? So if I'm exchanging information on a radio show with a brainy, fast-talking, witty guy like yourself. I was wondering um, who you're talking about. I, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> I, I love that. That's, that is such a fun part of my natural personality. This, I love intellectual curiosity. I love debate. I love exchanging ideas. I don't know if that's masculine or feminine. I think it sort of transcends both depending on, I guess, your communication style. But 
absolutely there's times I want to get points across in a timely fashion, and that is more masculine. Get data points across in a timely fashion. Yeah? And I want well, to be more feminine, too. In the, uh, well, that's just as feminine I want because to cover you want to be validated. And, you know, I, mean, I want to cover certain topics in a timely fashion. I want to get the information, point A to point B. That is a masculine quality. As okay. a woman, I want to endlessly discuss, pick apart, talk over each other, <laughs> um, get off topic, get tangential, which you yeah. allow me to do. And so it's yeah. really lovely. So I do both with you. And, um, yeah, but when I'm really doing heart listening, in order for me to communicate what that is and how to, how to do it, I have to be doing it and be super um, in it. So, yeah. yeah. That's why I love having you on the show. Uh, it's a real treat for me. And so, I, you know, you got 30 minutes, I'll take 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, I don't care. Uh, I'd much oh, rather have you on you. every week. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, no, this is, uh, this is a, it's amazing to be able to talk about this stuff because I, I can talk about things on the air that I might not talk about with other people that aren't as, I guess, receptive or certainly as knowledgeable as you are about the things that you know about to be able to explain these things. And so this is, this is quite I fascinating I could talk about this topic I could talk about this forever. It's my favorite thing. And the fact that you gave me a platform and, um, you know, and that you're so receptive and you have all your, you have your own ideas and your own research, which is super well-informed. Um, so I feel challenged and I feel like stimulated mm-hmm. to do more research. So it's really wonderful for me. Yeah, it's a fun challenge. So thank no, you. We challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really good. This is, I think we have a very unusual and incredible uh, cooperative effort between the two of us for the different things we bring to this. And I think that people listening can really appreciate the fact that, you know, that, that we don't have the limits, that we can talk about stuff, that this is both safe and challenging at the same time. See, I see everything as, 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 as mixing together. So for me, yin and yang is one. Yin and yang is not two. And so that's how I look at, at, at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And both yeah. are essential for, for balance and for health and all the ways. Mm-hmm. So, and I apologize for shifting time this morning. I am moving and I have so many, so many people pulling at my arms here. Like, <laughs> this this, to go, yeah. but, but this was a wonderful break for me from all the chaos happening. And, um, and we will, we will revisit next week at the regular time then. And, my Facebook is Dorothy Diana, and my website is yoniyoon.com, which is constantly in um, reconstruction as I keep adding more, more things to this business, which is so lovely, um, slowly, slowly. But I do uh, dance classes for women that are very uh, trauma-informed and specially curated to help us move up to the layers of sexuality. It's very fun. And I do privates, and I do phone consultation, and... Um, yeah, that's that's it for now. Yoniyun.com, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N, and Facebook. I'm Dorothy Diana, and anybody can reach out and just chat. I love that also. <laughs> that's for you. Thank you, Dorothy. Let's do it again Thank next week. Thank you, Greg. Week. Have You're a wonderful welcome. week. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, bye now. Easily one of my favorite parts of the week. I mean, it's just fun to have Dorothy on just because we get so many great things going on. All right, 802, I'm going to take a little break right now and uh, see what's happening. And then I'll get back into the articles and everything else. So um, the show's open. So anybody wants to call, um, Pianki was on the line earlier. You're welcome to come back on. Um, but Dorothy only had a limited amount of time this week. And I really like to talk for myself just because there's, we have a, a really interesting connection. I've never met her, um, but I feel like she's you know, one of my best friends. 
And so this is fascinating to, to be able to talk about the things that we do talk about. And that's why I get kind of selfish and kind of, you know, just keep it alive to the two of us. But everybody's welcome to put in questions um, during the live chat, and that's perfectly acceptable uh, as well. Back in a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, 
social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, we are back here. I just almost forgot to unmute myself. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's get our, our, our news theme uh, and get into the plan, which is in my Substack article, gregpenglis.substack.com. And I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to talk about some of the basic stuff in it. You can read it for yourself. In fact, what I'll do in the next 22 seconds, <laughs> actually 28 seconds, there we go, uh, is make a copy of it and put it in live chat so everybody has, uh, has the plan. Well, that's interesting. It took me exactly 28 seconds to do that. So that's, that's kind of cool. So I got to hang this job yet. Anyway, so if, you, if you're on live chat, you can look at the bottom. Uh, it says gregpenglis.substack.com slash the action radio comprehensive illegal, <laughs> which is the, uh, um, that's the, that's the web link to my, uh, my article on how to get rid of 50 million illegal aliens. Now, if you don't, if you're not listening live and you still want to find it, you just go to gregpenglis.substack.com and it's the top article. So really easy to find. So that's G-R-E-G-P-E-N-G-L-I-S dot substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K, substack.com. And that's it, gregpenglis.substack.com. So there it is. All right. What did I talk about? Uh, Again, uh, I've been over the problem. So that's in the first half hour. Uh, Dorothy was in the second half hour. So let's get to the third half hour. In other words, the second hour. Let's get to the solution. And the solution actually is different than you might think. And again, even different than President Trump thinks, unless he's just hiding you know, his, 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 his actual plan, which, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, but uh, he's pretty blunt and direct, so I don't think that's the case. So what he wants to do is what Eisenhower did. And what Eisenhower did, it was called Operation Wetback. And the idea, that, that that's a derogatory term for people across the, uh, the Rio Grande River from Mexico, uh, and their shirts are still wet. You know, wet back. All right, that's where that comes from. Not a nice term. Um, but uh, then neither is entering the country illegally, so I don't care about it myself. Um, anyway, so his Eisenhower, and we reported on this earlier, what Eisenhower did is traditional you know, roundup and deportation. Uh, I think that worked in the 50s, but I don't think that's going to work today. And a couple of reasons. One um, is that the border is open. <laughs> so anybody that, grow, that we deport is just going just to walk back in. So that's not going to work. Um, what we have to do, and this, we're, we're talking about when Trump is back in office. All right? So when Trump's back in the presidency and the illegal Brandon Coup is all in jail, hopefully, that'll be another show, uh, is arresting the entire Brandon Coup on seditious conspiracy. That's the crime they're using against uh, you know, people that walked into the Capitol by invitation of the Capitol Hill police, or as I call it, the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In, uh, that being January 6th. All right, so... Uh, but that, like I say, the, the, the normal, you know, roundup, 
you know, arrest, deportation. Uh, it's expensive, too. Now, I don't want to cost the taxpayers any money, but I still want the illegal aliens to leave. So that, that's always my challenge. How do I implement, you know, a, a huge amount of freedom for the least cost uh, and the least uh, additional regulations uh, and laws uh, and still get the job done? And so the answer I came with uh, was civil asset forfeiture. And so civil asset forfeiture, and I've heard this on the show a bunch of times, civil asset forfeiture is where you forfeit your assets uh, if you're involved in criminal activity. Now, back in the 80s, this was used wrongly. All you folks that you know, watch Miami Vice, <laughs> which I actually, I'm, I, I, this is what I do during the daytime when I'm like working on the show, and it's between the news, between the morning news and the evening news, you know, I'm watching reruns of some great series. I've been through Columbo, uh, been through, who else? I've got to go through Hawaii Five O next. But right now I'm going through all the Miami Vice episodes, you know, and there's something else I went through too. Some of the uh, Route 66, you know, different TV shows, uh, Kung Fu, yeah, I went through a lot of those. This is probably my childhood coming back. So I'm going through all these old TV shows. Um, so Miami Vice, I'm still in season one and I'll, I'll be on season two. But back in the 80s, one of the ways that uh, uh, the feds and uh, state and local government dealt with uh, the, the obscene amount of money that was coming to the country because Americans are pretty drug addicted. Uh, and pretty stupid, uh, as far as illegal drugs goes, was they would use civil asset forfeiture. So in other words, the police suspected that your house uh, was a crack house or, or a cocaine distribution point if they thought it was in any way involved in illegal activity. If you had a really fast boat, you know, and they would seize it. If you had an airplane, you know, private airplane, well, it's probably transporting drugs, you know, and so they would seize it. And then you have to prove that you weren't doing that to get your stuff back. Okay. That is unconstitutional. I said it then, I'll say it now. It is unconstitutional to seize the property of Americans without due process and a conviction. Illegal aliens, it's a different story because they don't have constitutional rights. Why? Because they can't be here. You can't have rights in a place that you can't be in, right? That's just, a, that's, a, that's irrational. And I don't care what the Supreme Court says. The Supreme Court cannot successfully argue that, Illegal aliens have rights in a place they're not allowed to be in because the whole point is, it, you know, the rights are designed to be exercised. And if you can't exercise them, you know, they, they exist by their exercise. So if you can't, if you don't have rights, you know, if you're in a place where you can't exercise them, then there's no point in having rights. Right? And that's the whole point. So anyway, legal aliens don't have rights. So as far as that goes, you can do civil asset forfeiture just when you find them in the country. But what do you think would happen if you were in, uh, I don't know, Morocco? <laughs> You know, and you were selling drugs. Do you think they'd, uh, you think you get a lot of due process? Do you think you call the American embassy? You think you can, well, I'm sure you could, but you think they're going to help you? No, you're selling drugs in Morocco, you idiot. You know, so it's a different thing there. So in other words, uh, this is not an unusual standard of justice to seize property from people um, because they've gained property as the result of an illegal activity. Now, the distinction I make is that I don't care. Uh, if these illegal aliens have done another crime. And this is one of the big fallacies, that illegal aliens are good people until they commit another crime. No. Illegal aliens are bad people, persona non grata, should not be here, violated every law of our country, violated our laws every single day. They're here, and that could be years, you know, and everything they gain um, from working illegally, you know, businesses that are illegal, um, they could be legal businesses, but I mean, but the fact that they're caught, that they're in them makes them illegal. So anything that an illegal alien gains, uh, any government benefits, any money, any employment, uh, any companies, any benefits of any kind, that's all ill-gotten gains. That's all, that's all criminal because they're not supposed to be here. They can't be here legally. So, so, so it's okay to take their stuff. So this to me seems the most logical way to create a situation where illegal aliens are terrified to be here because they're going to lose all their stuff. All right. That's what people come here. They don't come here, you know, for a better life spiritually. They come here for a better life economically. 
and they want your better life. So in other words, the illegal alien comes here so that you will pay for their better life. Okay, that's why they come here. You know, if they were if they were honest, decent people, they'd come here legally and they'd uh, get the invitation and they get the citizenship. Now a lot of people still do that. You know, we have to curb that back too. We need we've got uh, a million people coming in the country legally. We need about a quarter million or less, or excuse me, or fewer, uh, for the next. 10 years at least um, because there are too many legal immigrants coming, but we'll do, we'll deal with that with another day. Look up numbers USA if you want more information on that. All right. So then I thought, okay, so how are we going to do this? Uh, this is going to be interesting. We've got uh, a situation where we've got millions upon millions upon millions of people that are already here and that are coming in. We've got to get them out. So the easiest way is as soon as you find out they're a non-citizen, you know, steal, all, not steal, but confiscate all their stuff. Okay. And again, believe me, word will get around. Here's what's going to happen first. First, the, uh, the conservative Republican America first states and counties are going to start seizing stuff. because The federal government won't. They can do that now before Trump gets back in in 2024. Um, but they can start seizing I mean, county sheriffs. I'm going to see if I can get my county sheriff and next door Scambia County Sheriff to, to uh, talk about instituting a program of civil asset forfeiture. Now, we have a bill on that, but technically they don't need it. Because if they can do asset forfeiture on criminals, which they all can, uh, then they could do it on illegal aliens because illegal aliens are criminals. So the other thing to keep in mind with this, and this is critical, is that uh, illegal aliens are not immigrants. They have no immigrant status. They are simply criminals as much as bank robbers and embezzlers and carjackers and drug dealers and illegal gangs and looters and even, you know, minor crimes, <laughs> you know, uh, multiple speeding tickets, you know, that, that were you're all criminals to varying degrees. So whether an illegal alien commits further crimes doesn't matter. The fact that they're here illegally is a crime. And so they're dealt with in the criminal justice system, not in the, illegal, not in the immigration court system, because they're not immigrants. In order to become an immigrant, you have to come into the country legally. So all these people that are coming in hoping to become immigrants, no, you know, asylum seekers, they're not seeking asylum. This is all bogus BS. Legitimate asylum seekers go to the next country. So the Hondurans and Guatemalans will go to Mexico. The Mexicans would go to Honduras or Guatemala or Belize or, or El Salvador. You know, the Argentinians would go to Venezuela, the Venezuelans, well, Venezuelans would go to, our, to uh, probably Brazil. That's the one next door. Well, they're kind of, you know, they got problems too. But anyway, the point is you go to the next country. And if you're an asylum seeker, you have to have a genuine reason for, for seeking asylum, political persecution, religious persecution, racial persecution. And you got to prove it. These people aren't proving anything. They're just coming into the country. They're just numbers. They're just bodies. They're just bringing in warm bodies by the uh, Border Patrol Greeter Service. Brandon's Greeters. <laughs> you should get a little T-shirt, Brandon's Greeters, because that's what they're doing. Right? But because they're criminals and not immigrants, you can deal with them in the criminal system, and any criminal can have their stuff confiscated. It's pretty simple, actually. So the question is whether local law enforcement, county sheriffs, state law enforcement, or the feds do it. It doesn't matter to me as long as it's done. Now, here's the easiest way to do it. The easiest way is something called the ITIN number, and I've talked about this too. Individual Tax Identification Number. Now, I've got about five articles on this. It's fascinating. And they're all encouraging aliens to get ITIN numbers. So, and the logic is, and this is where it gets so fascinating, the logic is that uh, even though they're here in the country illegally, if they're making money, they still have to pay taxes on their illegal money. Well, that's absurd. That's insane. That's irrational. No country would do that except ours. Started in 1996 under Bill Clinton. The idea is to have a separate class of people, and then the IRS calls it a processing number. Now, here's what I didn't know until this morning. This is fascinating. The IRS 
does not break up people into citizens, immigrants, visa holders, and tourists, and then illegals, right? The IRS breaks people up into residents and non-residents. So they don't distinguish between citizens. They don't distinguish between people here legally or illegally. They don't care. They just want the money. All right. So the ITIN number, individual tax identification number, you sound like saying number. It's like VIN number, even though, even though the N stands for numbers. Otherwise, if you just say the ITIN, no one knows what you're talking about. So the ITIN number uh, is given to people who cannot get a Social Security number. Well, what American can't get a Social Security number? Well, none. You know, so the ITIN number is the number that is given to people who cannot get a social security number, which means they cannot work here legally. They cannot take, get any government benefit. They can't do anything. So, so why would the IRS have this separate number? It's a complete scam. It's a criminal operation of the IRS and the Clinton administration, even going on today, even went on during the Trump administration. I don't, he's probably busy enough with impeachments. He didn't realize this. But that law... That's, uh, that law is so – I don't even know if it's a law. I don't, it might even be a policy. I don't know. I'm going to check more into this. Uh, my friend Katie Grimes in California, Megan Barth, uh, Reagan Babe, uh, did a huge series of articles on this, uh, f- what, five, six years ago? I should get it back on. Maybe I'll play the Megan Barth um, article in the 9 o'clock hour. That might be interesting. Yeah, actually, be good. I played it not long ago, but this would be a good time to play it again. So I'm, I'm going to probably do that in the last 45 minutes of the show. I'm going to write that down for myself. Megan Barth. Megan. I, don't, I think Katie Grimes is on the show, but I don't know if I have her, um, her interview. But I know I have the Megan one on because I remember making it. All right. So ITIN is a bogus number given to illegal aliens. In other words, people that cannot get a Social Security number, but the IRS still wants the money. So think about, think about the IRS logic of this. And this is where it gets so absurd. So the IRS does not care that people are in the country illegally. They're willing to give people a number, a processing number, as they call that, so they can collect money from people who can't be here, working at a job that they can't do legally, but the IRS still wants the money from it. Well, it seems like it's a way to – so in other words, they don't get in trouble with the IRS for not declaring their income, even though that income was illegal. (laughs) So anybody that has an ITIN number is a criminal, (laughs) okay, because they're working illegally, because they can't get a Social Security number. There are millions of them, millions of illegal aliens getting an ITIN number. In fact, they're advertising for more illegal aliens to get ITIN numbers. Well, that's just like your, your, uh, your deportation card. <laughs> okay. This is so stupid. It's so funny, though. Uh, my only fear is that the, uh, uh, the Brandon insurrection, before they leave office, will get rid of all the ITIN numbers because we can't trace them. And that's where the illegal alien census comes in. But that's a different story. All right. Let's get back to uh, the plan. So that's the plan. So the plan is to use the ITIN number with the IRS um, to identify and uh, confiscate all the property. See, the IRS, you know, works as not only a collection agency, but a a seizure uh, uh, and confiscation agency. Well, how do you think they they seize your your property if you don't pay your taxes? Well, all we're doing is what the IRS does naturally anyway. We're just applying it to illegal aliens simply by being here illegally. I don't know if that requires a presidential executive order, an act of Congress, you know, or just a policy change by the IRS head. I have no idea. But I know, it's, I know it's the best way to do it. Why? It's because the optics are fabulous, and it doesn't cost any money. And there's no – you're not endangering anybody other than the fact they're losing their house, you know, and they're going to have to leave. They've got to find some shelter. But that's what hotels are for on the way out, right? Anyway, but the, but the, the – uh, there's no raids during the night. You know, you're not going to scare the kids. You're not going to put a gun in their face like uh, Elian Gonzalez when they, they raided his place and, and brought him back to Cuba. You know, you're not going to have that kind of stuff. And there's, no, there's no news story here because it's all done by computer. 
you know, what, what are they going to do? Watch an IRS uh, agent flip a button, you know, on the computer or, or, or do a keystroke or, or use their mouse pad? <laughs> you know, there's no story of that. You know, and all I can, or, they, or they'll, they'll uh, be at the border watching all the, the waves of people leaving the country. Why are you leaving? Of course, the Democrat media. Why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Because they took my stuff. You know, now we could put their stuff, maybe part of it, in a bank, you know, in their home country and say, okay, we're going to sell your proceeds, uh, sell your stuff, and we'll, we'll give you part of it back, maybe 25% back or something like that, as incentive to leave and actually pick up their, their property. I mean, 50% back. I don't care. As long as they leave, it doesn't matter to me. All right, so that's the basic plan. The IRS ITIN number confiscates millions of illegal aliens' assets and property, all of it. Now, what else can we do? Well, the first thing we can do, the next thing we can do is what we call detailing and transferring. So if you are detailed to another agency or department, if you're a federal employee, or you're transferred to another department, you get to work there. So there's nothing that, that, that says that, A, first of all, that people can request transfers to different agencies uh, and departments, but the government can also move them. So the first thing you do is you take all 287,000 armed bureaucrats of what I call the bureaucrat infantry. That's 87,000 IRS agents, 200,000 other agents, and that's an army that's over 12 divisions because the division's 20,000. So 240,000 would be, uh, actually, it'd be more like, uh, how many divisions would it be? Let me see, 20, 12, 240,000. It's actually, yeah, that'd be 10 divisions. No, that'd be 12. It's actually 14 divisions. <laughs> it's like 14 divisions of soldiers. You know, so let's let's go 280,000. Uh, let me do some quick math here because my math is so bad. 287,000 divided by 20,000 equals 14.35. So that's over 14 divisions of soldiers. That's bigger than most armies in the world. And we have armed bureaucrats who have no jurisdiction outside the United States. So their only purpose is to go to war with us. We the people. So just take them from uh, all the different agencies and give them over to ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So now you got people where you do have to, you know, pick up criminals, who criminal aliens who are doing other stuff like murder, drug dealing, you know, carjacking, looting, all that kind of stuff. So so you take the the two hundred eighty seven thousand bureaucrat, you know, armed folks, transfer them all over to ICE, uh, and now you've got a viable force of almost a quarter million people, actually over a quarter million people, um, to the that need the rounding up for the dangerous people. Well, then you take another 250, the second part of the plan is you take another 250,000 from useless agencies, education, the EPA, agriculture, housing and development, housing and urban development, transportation, energy, except the folks in the nuclear plants, you know, small business administration, veterans affairs, non-communists in the state department, and any other useless department or agency, take a quarter million people of those and put them in, in uh, ICE also, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Now, ICE is part of the Department of Homeland Security, which under Mayorkas, who's a total psychopath, uh, a, lying, a pathologically lying monster uh, who's bent in, on destroying this country. You know, he, he's doing more damage than any foreign general could do in, with an invading army. Anyway, so, uh, so you basically uh, turn it over to ICE and you put a really good person in charge of ICE, someone like, I don't know, General Michael Flynn. You know, then he can be attorney general when Trump takes office again. So, you know, there's ways to do this, but anyway, we'll see. But that's the idea. So you have a quarter million, so you have all 287,000 armed agents. You have another quarter million support people, and you send them all to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement branch of Department of Homeland Security. What else do you do? Next thing, tie in local law enforcement. So the next chapter of my article is if every town is a border town, then every cop is a border cop. So all the local police, county sheriffs, uh, the deputies, the, the state police, um, county, you know, whatever, any, any uh, state or, or local um, police officer 
you know, down to the, 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 the smallest jurisdiction to the entire state police, like in Florida, for example, they all become border cops. Well, how do they do that? Well, um, a connection is made between uh, Homeland Security, the ICE computers, uh, the immigration computers for anybody that failed to appear, all the folks that wherever the DACA names are held, because they're all illegal aliens, right? And so uh, leave or get yourself, your assets forfeited. Local cops with any interaction, so routine traffic stops, uh, county government, any health inspection, business license procedure, things like that, individual level, anytime you're at the DMV, uh, anytime you're, you're registering to vote, obviously that one, juries, those kind of things. Citizenship is checked. Now, the easiest way to do that is with my bill, the Citizenship Declaration Act, which actually puts your citizenship on your driver's license. Now, states need to adopt that. That would be a great part of this plan, too. Um, and so what you'd have on the driver's license is a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident or visa holder with an expiration date. That's it. You know? And so anybody else would not be able to get a driver's license. And so you find someone without a driver's license driving, yeah, chances are they're an illegal alien or underage. Anyway, but the cops need to tie into State Department records, you know, into immigration records. They need to tie into any record that is needed uh, to be able to determine if something's, someone's an illegal alien or not. And if they are, you seize their stuff. So health check, you know, you've got a company that's, uh, well, you know, so any, anytime, any, any interaction with government, citizenship should be checked. And if you're found not to be a citizen, especially at welfare, <laughs> you know, then, uh, then you go into the, the system for uh, asset forfeiture. And the computers will catch up. So the next part of the plan is not only do you, do you seize all the assets and property of the uh, illegal aliens, you seize all the assets and property of anybody that's helping them. And that should include people in government haven't worked out how to do that yet because government has a certain amount of immunity. But as far as NGOs like Catholic Charities, uh, any corporation that's hiring people illegally or allows people to be hired, I remember Home Depot in California. You had illegals hanging out behind Home Depot and the pickup trucks would show up for you know, their day labor. Well, that, that Home Depot store should be confiscated for not calling the police to get rid of the illegals. You know? Or if anybody's found to be, I shouldn't pick on Home Depot because there's a lot of companies that do this, but from the lowliest little restaurant with an illegal alien dishwasher uh, all the way up to, I don't know, General Motors, you know, if they have illegals working in any of their plants, you have a whole company. So massive asset forfeiture of anybody that's helping, that would include NGOs like Catholic Charities, major corporations like General Motors, it doesn't matter. You know, get the word out that if you have illegal you know, food processing plants, farms, agriculture, construction, you know, roofers, you know, places where we find a lot of illegals, um, all those companies need to be seized. I don't care how big they are. You know, there may, we'll talk about too big to fail another day, but, uh, you know, my saying is not too big to be seized. Seize them all. You know, people that are, are aiding in government need to be fired, arrested, uh, and have massive fines against them for breaking the law. Government people are not uh, immune from, from the law. Anyway, the last, another point I have uh, is the Commerce Department. So we need to do a massive uh, illegal alien census. Now, this is different than the regular census, which is every 10 years and is actually in the Constitution. Okay? So this would be a separate census, and so it wouldn't come under the constitutional jurisdiction. And I don't know if that would take a, a, a law from Congress, a regulation, an executive order. I'm not sure. I think it could probably be done by executive order uh, as a way to enforce the law. So the Commerce Department, you know, part of the, that quarter million detailed support staff might be you know, being detailed to commerce to conduct the illegal alien census. So we need to know everybody that's in the country illegally and why they're, why they're illegally and what they've done. Did they fail to appear? Did they skip across the border? Uh, are they returning deportees that have crossed the border several times? You know, were they brought here by their parents, you know, as kids? 
uh, and then state as adults. I don't, I don't, I don't have any uh, problem with the fact that, well, in other words, I don't, I don't go, I'm not going to go after kids that are here illegally because their parents brought them. But if they stay as adults, absolutely. Because once you're an adult and you stay illegally, you're, you're the same as if you cross the border as an adult. It doesn't make any difference. So we need an illegal, illegal, illegal alien census. Um, if we need more money for this, so we can get more money for this. You know, the federal government needs more money. First of all, stop spending it. So that'll lower the interest on the national debt and lower the national debt. But there's, there's, there's you know, the, the federal government needs to be audited. I mean, every department needs to be audited. That would probably be a huge source. I bet you we could cut half the budget without much trouble. I mean, at least half is probably complete and total waste and useless and not necessary. So there's a huge source of money. So even though we don't need money for this, it should be self-supporting based on the proceeds seized through civil asset forfeiture. Um, there's a lot of things we can cut. You know, get rid of the UN. Stop all foreign aid. Uh, close our military bases in countries that don't need them. Germany, England, <laughs> Japan. They can defend themselves, thank you. Doesn't mean we can't cooperate defensively. We can, but we don't need a base there. They have bases there. We can share their base. They own it. They pay for it. They uh, do everything. We'll just, you know, keep some aircraft and, you know, staff there and things like that. Tanks, whatever, you know. Um, so the feds need to withhold money from the states that are allowing sanctuary cities, and the states need to withhold money from the current Brandon insurrection for doing anything with illegals. So the withholding of money works both state to federal and federal to state. So that's basically the plan. That's, uh, that's kind of how it would work. Um, and in fact, Laurie last night made a good point. On my local bill, I have this, but I don't have this on my, uh, on my national bill. Uh, on the local bill, I have that all money, uh, all the proceeds you know, from all these seizures go back to the people um, in terms of a, uh, of a restitution. So citizen restitution would be, you know, if the government uh, confiscates, you know, $100 billion worth of illegal alien ill-gotten goods, that $100 billion would go back to the American taxpayer. Not illegal, <laughs> you know, uh, and that'd be citizens. And so I don't even know if permanent residents should get it. Probably not. We'll think about that. But yeah, but that's how you do it. So all the proceeds, you know, the, you know what if we get uh, $500 billion worth of illegal alien stuff? Well, that's a nice little payment. That'd be re- good restitution for having illegals here all these years. And I have, pro- I have things on birthright, citizen- birthright citizenship and a bunch of other stuff. But we'll talk about that another time. That's, uh, and that we're going to reform that too. But anyway, that's basically the plan. So if you want to find this, gregpenglis.substack.com, uh, the Action Radio Comprehensive Illegal Alien Removal Plan. And uh, it's at my place, gregpenglis.substack.com. That's where you find it. Okay, I don't see any announcements for, or anything from Marco. He's probably been busy. Uh, no phone calls, but I'm certainly welcome to, uh, to take any. It is now 8 33. Take another break here, play some more stuff. And then come back, we'll talk about the ITIN number because <laughs> the stuff I found, I well, maybe I'll do other articles too. I don't know. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll think about it. But that, that's the, the, uh, the ITIN is absolutely fascinating. All right, let me get to where is my next series of commercials? All right, there we go. Be right back. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force. Your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, right? your laws. So, 
you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Oops, <laughs> it looks like I, I removed the Megan Barth one, so I'm going to have to put all those ones that I had uh, beforehand uh, back on the show just for occasions like this. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements, and we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Biden's dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. All right, let's get back to uh, our articles now on the ITIN number. 
All right, so let's um, – I want to tackle this because this is the key to, to getting rid of the illegal aliens. I don't know why no one else has thought of this. I mean, am I the only one that thinks of these things? I mean, I don't see anybody else talking about it. So it's continually you know, amazing and amusing <laughs> at the same time to me that uh, I'm actually the one that, that finds this stuff and uh, wants to think about it. All right, so let me just bring it – I'm going to shrink that down a little bit. This is a big article. So I looked up ITIN number, you know, can, it, uh, uh, can Americans get it? Because I want to make sure that I'm dealing with uh, the right thing here. Um, with what's going on. So let me, let me get the first article that I found. Let's deal with the first one. ITIN.com. <laughs> there actually is a thing. You ready for this? ITIN.com. Oh, my God. Oh, this is hysterical. Um, so so you, you look at this here, and it's like the, the heading, this is November 9th of 2020. So this is right after you know, Brandon stole the election, which was November 3rd of 2020. I just noticed that. Look at that. So this is six days later. This is less than a week after Brandon steals the election. All right. ITIN.com already has a, a, an article, a website, saying how to get an ITIN number for illegal immigrants, which are really illegal aliens, right? There's no such thing as an illegal immigrant. And they got the nice guy in the picture, the video. It says, click the link below to start your ITIN application. So this is how they knew before Brandon even took office, they were going to get as many illegal aliens on this ITIN number program as they could. Now, I couldn't find the Megan Barth piece, which means I probably deleted it. Uh, I'll put it back on. I, I tended back earlier days. I tend, once I played it, I figured I'm never going to play it again. Nah, that's not going to be the case. Some of these are, are, are so good, they have to be repeated. Uh, and I'll, I'll play a Mark Thornton economic one. You know, at some point today. Um, but when, I, when I'm done with the, the ITIN stuff, I played the Mark Thornton interview. It's fabulous. The first one. Uh, he's, he's, he's just a genius of an economist. And it'll tell you just how bad things are with the debt ceiling and everything else. Anyway, you, look at this heading. How to get ITIN number for illegal immigrants. First of all, why would you even think of And then they even have a corporation, ITIN.com. So first of all, since illegal aliens can't be here, why is it that I found a gazillion... Uh, websites and articles on how to get a number that the illegal aliens you know, can't get because they can be here. That in itself is fascinating. Let me just read it. Here's what it says. If you are wondering how to get an ITIN number for illegal immigrants, which really means aliens, right? We are going to be talking about one of my favorites. Actually, since we started getting into taxes and tax IDs, it's a question that we've also gotten so many times and we've learned more and more about over the years. I guess they're getting better at the criminality. Let me see if I get you an author. Doesn't say. Doesn't say who wrote this. It's just ITIN.com. <laughs> Crack me up. Then it says, and it's a question we're passionate about, especially because we do also work in immigration a little bit as well. So we want to go ahead and talk about how to get an ITIN for illegal aliens. I'm not going to use the word immigrant. We're just going to say illegal aliens. Then it says, and can they get one? And what benefit uh, does it? This is have, uh, this is really badly written. This is what benefit does it have in terms of maybe one day getting a citizenship or a green card? <laughs> so we want to go ahead and talk about all that in this article. So in other words, the ITIN program, uh, well, let's, well, should I start an application? <laughs> I'm sorry, let's see what it says. ITIN.com, get your ITIN fast. And you got the friendly Hispanic man with the beard. Uh, about 25 years old there on the cover. 100% satisfaction. Oh, regular price, $497. Oh, no, it's on sale. It was $697. This is a scam. I think the, the, the IRS will give you one for free, right? It says open U.S. bank account and file tax return without SSN. See, illegal aliens can't get a Social Security number. Well, not legally. 
So this ITIN number is a way to, to act as an American, uh, pay your taxes as if you actually were legal, you know, and do all this kind of stuff. And then, and then get Social Security and get a bank account. Oh, this is, this is bad. And for, for only $697, now 497 because it's on sale, um, and this is starting application. Very first thing, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover. They take all the major credit cards. <laughs> this is funny. Our insurance, IRS, money back guarantee, a bunch of other things. Join more than 2,214 satisfied ITIN clients. Then they have all the illegals at the bottom. Sundi Gidham, Aurora Bada Bancela, Charles Babek, Sund Gidham. <laughs> he knows like, all these. Well, I already mentioned that one anyway. So all these illegals at the bottom. We're totally satisfied getting our illegal uh, uh, application here. <laughs> I'm sorry to be, have, have so much fun reading this, but it really is pretty funny. Uh, Marco's back too, which is good. All right, so back to the article. Uh, and can they get one? So in other words, basically, the, Bill Clinton started this program. This is a precursor to the open border under Brandon. Bill Clinton started this as a way to have people buy their way into citizenship, as a way to say, well, look, these people have been ta- paying taxes all these years. Good people. No, they're not. They're illegal aliens. No such thing as a good person who's an illegal alien. Uh, you know, do they good things and work in the community? Well, maybe. I don't care. I'm sure Al Capone donated to charity, too. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you know there's, there's a lot of mafia people that, uh, you know, build baseball parks <laughs> for the kids, right? There's, there's still mafia people, all right? So, so none of this matters. So you can't, you can't uh, break the law and say it's okay because you do good things. You know, that, that's like a bank robber giving to charity. You know, you're still a bank robber, all right? So uh, pay the crime. Get out of the country. Apply legally. In fact, any, I think anybody who's deported should not be able to apply to come into the country or should not even be admitted as a tourist. Put them on a watch list. We've got big computers. We can, we can check anybody coming into the country at any of the border checkpoints. Just run their passport. You know, and uh, if, they're, uh, if they're on the list of deportees, they don't come in the country. And, and by the way, seize their car at the border, too. Or allow them, to, allow them like 10 minutes to drive away. <laughs> Otherwise, everything gets seized. Anyway, so, so this, this is one of the biggest scams out there. So Bill Clinton said, okay, you know, if you can buy your way in uh, with this number, then people, they can, they can probably go from ITIN to amnesty, from amnesty to citizenship, and away you go. It's just another way to bring millions of people into the country illegally. Then it says, uh, I'll get your ITIN here. Can illegal immigrants uh, get an ITIN number? Says, or here, you know, what it should say is, can illegal aliens get an ITIN number? And then it says, and the answer is yes, absolutely. So in other words, illegal people can get a legal number to pay taxes on money that was gotten illegally. See, but the drug dealers would love that deal. Wouldn't that be great? No asset forfeiture. So drug dealers, we should give them an IDIN, an individual drug identification number. <laughs> so so one response to that, the IDIN number. <laughs> I can write that down. Oh, this is, is going to be a great article. IDIN. I probably do this on Substack. IDIN. So the IDIN number is the individual drug. Hang on. D-R-U-G. ID number. So yeah, why can we, what can we do with drug dealers? Like drug dealers pay taxes on the, the billions of dollars in profit they're making off drugs uh, and then say it's okay. There may be a minimum Mexican cartel of citizens. I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Then it says, this is where it gets funny, it says just because you're an illegal alien does not mean they do not apply for an ITIN. And if you do uh, have income that you're making, you're allowed to report it and you pay your tax on it or try to pay your tax on it. So in other words, the IRS lets you be an illegal alien and report income. That's insane. (laughs) Okay. 
this whole thing is insane, but yet it goes on, but that's nothing unusual for the government. I'm really surprised Trump didn't deal with this. I'm really surprised, <clears throat> but uh, he certainly knows about it. Then it says, in fact, that's the whole reason why the ITIN was actually brought into effect by the IRS in 1996. In other words, Bill Clinton was so that people who are living in this country, whether they got here illegally or not, if they did not have a social security number and they were trying to report income that they made and they wanted to pay taxes on, the ITIN was brought into effect so they could do that. I'm going to look at the history. I'm going to find out this is by law or by policy or by just, I don't know. Then it says, we've talked about this on other articles and we, that we have millions of individuals in this country who are now paying taxes united. Millions. Do you realize how easy deportation and, and asset forfeiture is going to be? Because they're already in the IRS computers and, and under the ICIN number. So you just flip a switch, hit a couple of buttons, you know, go full seizure, seize all their assets and property. Of course, the ICIN number is going to probably is going to be revoked some, you know, hopefully soon. But let's use it now, then revoke it, right? We've got to use it now to seize all the, the income and property from millions of illegal aliens. This is like a gold mine right here. Government's always looking for money. It's a great source of it. But then it says, and it's a great thing. <laughs> so that's why the IRS by, uh, brought it. So, yes, illegal aliens can, in fact, get an ITIN, and they can file and pay taxes. That, of course, is a, is a false statement because illegal aliens cannot pay taxes. Why? Because they're here illegally. The reason you pay taxes is for the, uh, the necessary services of government. That's what taxes are for. Since illegal aliens cannot receive any services of government other than deportation, um, they can't pay taxes. So the ITIN is a fraud. Next paragraph, uh, next sentence. It says, now we know a lot of illegal aliens who reach out to us and they ask, should I report this income or not? You know, I don't want to get in trouble or anything like that. So people here illegally are asking, are saying they don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> hey, you're already in trouble. You're here illegally. Then it says how to get ITIN numbers for undocumented immigrants. In other words, illegal aliens. First of all, immigration and taxes are completely separate, it says. It says we know people like to put them together, but they are very much separate. Yeah, just as immigration and illegal aliens are separate because illegal aliens are criminals and immigrants are legal people. That's totally separate, too. But they're not going to say that. Anyway, it says it is not just it is not just because you are illegal doesn't mean you can't apply for an ITIN and your status as an immigrant has nothing to do with your ITIN. So in other words, whether you're if you're an illegal alien, in fact, these are designed for illegal aliens to get them to pay taxes and hopefully work their way into citizenship illegally. Right. Then it says and it dictates how we felt the paperwork, but doesn't mean you this is written terribly. This is obviously by an illegal alien writing this. Right. The friendly Hispanic face, you know, the guy there with the beard, right? says, but it doesn't mean you can't get an ITIN. So they don't really go hand in hand, and they're very much separate. But we always tell individuals who reach out uh, to you, and they ask for consultations. They say, I report my income. I don't get in any trouble. So that's it. These people think that they're more afraid of the IRS than they are of customs uh, and, uh, and ICE. They're more afraid of the IRS than, you know, immigration and customs enforcement. That's crazy. Illegal aliens are more afraid of the IRS than they are being deported. Well, we can change that. <laughs> That's easy. So let's go to the horse's mouth. Let's go right to the IRS. Let's go to the IRS itself. Uh, here we go. IRS.gov. <laughs> you know, individual taxpayer identification number. The, the IRS actually has a section on this, right? IRS.gov. I got it right here. The section is individual taxpayer identification number. And it says what's new. 
Tax return requirement. All Form W-7 applications, including renewals, child-dependent care. Uh, an ITIN may be assigned to an alien dependent from Canada or Mexico if that dependent qualifies as a taxpayer for a child or dependent care credit. Let me read that again. An ITIN, in other words, an individual tax identification number, may be assigned to an alien dependent from Canada or Mexico if that dependent qualifies uh, a taxpayer for a child. So are these dependents in Canada or Mexico? I don't know. Form 2441 must be attached. Okay, fine. Important reminders, if your ITN wasn't included on a U.S. federal tax return at least once for tax years, your ITN will expire December 31st, 2021. Okay, so uh, that's already happened. Okay, let's get to the big thing. What, so the IRS, this is right from the IRS, IRS.gov, right? So what is an ITIN? An individual, this is from the IRS, this is an individual taxpayer identification number, ITIN, is a tax processing number issued by the Internal Revenue Service. So they're doing this themselves. Social Security numbers are issued by the Social Security Administration. This is a totally separate number. This is nothing to do with Social Security. Right? It says it's a processing number. And then it says the IRS issues ITANs to individuals who are required to have a U.S. taxpayer identification number, but who do not have and are not eligible to obtain a Social Security number. Well, why are they unable to obtain a Social Security number? Well, because they're illegal aliens. That's why. <laughs> okay. Then it says, what is an ITIN used for? This gets even better. IRS issues ITINs to help individuals comply with the U.S. tax laws and to provide a means to efficiently process and account for tax returns and payments from those not eligible for Social Security numbers. In other words, this is the illegal alien compliance with the IRS. That's what it is. Then it says for Social Security numbers. Right, this is they are issued regardless of immigration status, which means to illegal aliens. It says right there, the IRS website. They are issued regardless of immigration status. First of all, illegal aliens have no immigration status. But what they're saying is that it doesn't matter if you're legal or illegally in the country. You still can get this number and you can still pay taxes. That is criminal. Then it says because both resident and non-resident aliens may have a U.S. filing or reporting requirement under the Internal Revenue Code. ITNs, ITINs do not serve any purpose other than federal tax reporting. Isn't that fascinating? So the IRS will collect money from people who can't be here from money they couldn't have earned. Tell me that makes sense. Then it says, an ITIN does not authorize work in the U.S., provide eligibility for Social Security benefits, qualify a dependent for earned income tax credit purposes. Then it says, do I need an ITIN? Does the following apply to you? You do not have a Social Security number and are not eligible. In other words, you're here illegally. <laughs> you have a requirement to furnish a federal tax identification number or file a federal tax return because you earn too much money illegally, right? <laughs> and you're one of the following categories. Non-resident alien. What's that? Is that an illegal alien? U.S. resident alien who is uh, based on days you require. A U.S. resident alien. Okay, that's a permanent resident? No. Because they get social security numbers, right? Dependent or spouse of a U.S. citizen. Dependent spouses is a non-resident, non-resident student, professor. Okay, did that. This is fascinating. So this is your, this is your pay your taxes uh, to comply with IRS laws, but we don't care if you're a citizen or not. They just don't care. Next article. <laughs> Hope you're having as much fun as I am with this. I mean, it's so you have to laugh at this because it's so um, insane. Is it, we're, this is through the looking glass stuff. So here's the website. Upwardly, upwardly, 
U-P-W-A-R-D-L-I, upwardly, getting an ITIN number for illegal aliens. They say immigrants, but I'm just going to translate into proper English if you don't mind. Here we go. Many of the 11 million immigrants who reside and work in the U.S. pay taxes regardless of their immigration status. See, that 11 million number has been on so long, it's probably 30 million. Or 50 million. I don't know. But whatever it is, let's, let's just say 30 million. So let me translate this. Many of the 30 million illegal aliens who reside and work in the U.S. pay taxes regardless of the fact that they're here illegally. That's, that's, the, that's the proper version of that sentence. Then it says, when citizens born and naturalized file their taxes each year, they use their Social Security numbers as a way for the IRS to identify them. But how do those immigrants who are not eligible for a Social Security number, in other words, illegal aliens, they you know, file taxes? They use an ITIN. We'll explain how this tax ID for undocumented immigrants works, how to obtain one, and how immigrants of any status can build credit in the U.S. What do you mean build credit? See, this is it. This is a backdoor way to bring in millions of people because they say, look, they pay taxes. They're good people. They deserve citizenship. No, they don't. Whoever set up this program deserves jail. What are ITNs used for? An ITIN is a nine-digit number similar to a Social Security number. Oh, isn't that convenient? Identify taxpayers who are not eligible because they're illegal aliens. My words. All wage earners, and that includes everybody, because remember, the IRS does not distinguish between uh, a citizen and illegal alien. It only distinguishes between resident and non-resident. They don't care otherwise. They just want the money. It says all wage earners who make over a certain amount of money each year are required to pay federal taxes regardless of their immigration status. That's insane. The IRS began issuing ITNs in 1996. Okay, we got that. Uh, ITINs can be useful for other things, too, even if a person does not work in the U.S. Oh, really? ITINs can be helpful when doing things like renting an apartment, opening a bank account, and accessing financial products like loans and credit cards, things that are normally reserved for American citizens and lawful permanent residents. So in other words, if you get an ITIN, you can do everything a citizen can do, even though you're illegal. Renting an apartment, opening a bank account, and accessing financial products like loans and credit cards. You can start a business illegally, right? Then it says, but ITINs do not allow the holder to work or reside legally in the U.S. or make them eligible for Social Security benefits. So in other words, the ITIN doesn't make you legal. <laughs> you can still operate here illegally, legally as far as the IRS is concerned. Let's get Pianchi. I'm curious what he thinks of all this. Pianchi, is, is, this, is this as amazing to you as it is to me? Yeah, first of all, I want to thank you for immigrating to the U.S. and adding to this value. Well, thank I you, sir. I appreciate that. that. That's, that's really nice of you. You guys have a heated love discussion. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, on the ITN, the holder don't even have to be, have never came to the United States. See, that's something I haven't found. I haven't got an article on that. Why don't you tell me about that? What, what do you know about this? Well, if you're uh, a spouse, if they're married, you marry a person in the other country, and you want to claim them as a spouse, you can. And companies like uh, H&R and Block will help you get a ITN for her, for that person. Huh. And that's before they even get a visa to come into the country. And that can, so you, and, and being that you're dealing with immigration, that may be carried out for a dozen years or more. And they still can be carried as a dependent. But these are separate, though. The IRS even says that uh, immigration and ITIN numbers are totally separate. 
So these people are, are complying with tax law, but they're not complying with uh, citizenship, immigration, border, or any other law. But the IRS doesn't care well, as long as they collect their taxes. Because, this is fascinating. That's because of the immigration is a whole different animal. But I'm telling you, for instance, you could go marry a person in Argentina and attempt to get them a visa to the United States. And in the meantime, if you show uh, you can get a uh, ITN number from them and claim them on your taxes as a dependent. What a scam. Boy, there's so many laws we have to change. That's just one of the many. Let me, I, I found another article. Tell me what you think of this. It says, this is from Freedom Tax uh, Accounting. <laughs> it's called info at freedomtaxfl.com. So that's what it is. So freedomtaxaccounting.com. And the article says the benefits of the ITIN number for illegal immigrants. They actually see, they're so bold. This is the part that, that, that uh, is, is really interesting. They're so bold. They don't even care. You know, the, ITI, you know, the other place was charging 600 bucks for an ITIN number. The IRS probably give them out for free. Well, you, can get, you can get cheap. You can get it free from H and R Block. So why is this company charging six hundred bucks for one? What a scam, huh? Take, they, they, well, yeah, scam. Taking advantage of it. But uh, when you go to fill out your taxes and you show a marriage license issued by the country where you got married, and they will apply for your uh, number and they'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Individ, individual. Do you have something further? I'm sorry. Did you want to say more? Yeah. And with that number, you can get mortgage, home mortgage, if you're in yeah, the country. There's a list. You may be able to get it if you're not in the country. <laughs> yeah, but so, once so, you get a home mortgage right. and sign the papers on it, now you're showing what, Greg? <clears throat> you're showing a point of residency. And in that district, that voting district, you can go register to vote, even though you're not a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. So we trace down the ITIN numbers, and there are millions of them. We seize all their assets. We revoke their number, and we kick them the hell out of this country. Um, we could save trillions of dollars, I'll bet you. Listen to this. IT, individual taxpayer identification number. This is Freedom Tax Accounting. They actually have a website, freedomtaxaccounting.com. Uh, ITANs are provided to individuals who do not qualify for a social security number, which we said is because they're illegal aliens. It says by obtaining an ITIN, they will be able to pay taxes like every citizen of the United States. The wording here is really careful, right? They will be able to pay taxes like a citizen, but they're not citizens. They're not even allowed to be here. And if they're not allowed to be here, they're not allowed to pay taxes. That should be the law. I can't believe there's even a question about that. Then it says, however, they will not be eligible to receive the same benefits as people with a social security number. Of course, because they're illegals. They're criminals. And it says well, this does not pay, be... If they pay in the social security, they can collect it. Mm, they don't have a social security number. I'm not sure how they're going to be able to. Now, can ITIN number they people... ITIN. Does the ITIN number collect for social security? You mean in order to do the employer withhold from the employee the illegal employee check yes they do but the itin is not a uh is not a permission to work in this country it's just a tax number so there must be a no it's not permission to work it's just but they want uh, the uh, u.s treasury want to collect that money from you in the form of taxes 
even though he's so, not a citizen. So let me get this straight. People are being hired illegally to do a job that's illegal. They're being paid money that's illegal. And the, the IRS wants to collect their illegal share of the illegal taxes and the illegal money that was earned from the illegals. Have I got that about right? Yeah, they want to collect money from you even if you work in another country too. Well, let's take it from America. Yeah, that's different. Let me, let, me, uh, let me give you the list. You're gonna, we're going to take these, in, these individuals. This is fascinating. It says, however, they will not be eligible to receive the same benefits. This does not deprive them of every benefit, though, as they obtain different benefits that one day could see them as becoming citizens of the United States. This is what this is. This is backdoor citizenship. This is amnesty. This is paid for amnesty. This, it says uh, they can't get the same benefits as people with a social security number. But then it says this does not deprive them of every benefit though, as they obtain different benefits that one day could see them as becoming citizens of the United States. When they obtain an individual taxpayer identification number, they will receive the following benefits, which they can't have because they're illegals, right? They always said at the beginning of the article, this is for illegals to receive illegal benefits, right? No, if you're in the country legally, you can apply for social security number. Legally. And that's with a visa. You don't have to be a citizen. Well, it, but visas are only temporary. So nobody can get Social Security if they're only here temporarily. They're not here long enough. Six months, what, a year at the most? You can get a green card. You can be here as long as you want. Green card's, green card's in part of immigration. Green card is a legal procedure. I'm not talking about a legal procedure. I'm talking about illegal aliens getting this special number. That's something entirely different. Yeah, illegal the- aliens get the I-10. Because they that because they're not eligible for a social security number. Now, right. what makes what you eligible for a social security number is simple as being in the country legally, but you don't have to be a citizen. Right. I was given well, I know that for a fact because I, I got my social security number when I landed, you know, off the boat in New York. They gave me one as part of the processing. I mean, I got one immediately. You know, as a oh, permanent resident. Oh yeah, yeah. As soon as I got off the boat, twelve years old, I got a social security number. Yep. Still got the original card. So it's not to be used for identification purposes. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, I still got it. I keep That's a lot true. Of it's not supposed to be used as getting a driver's license or none of that stuff. But right. Don't so, pay no attention to it. Exactly. So in other words, the original purpose was a secret number with the government. All right. Here are the benefits. It says, here are the following benefits that, as far as I'm concerned, are illegal. One, it informs the government of the United States that they are obeying all the federal tax laws. Of course, they're violating every other law, <laughs> but this is why they do it. This is, this is back to our citizenship. This is what this organization is all about. It informs the government of the United States that they are obeying the federal tax laws. Personally, I don't give a crap. They're still illegals. Then it says it shows that they are contributing to the economy by filing for federal taxes. And as I've said, illegals can't file taxes. You know, they can't contribute to the economy either. They can't be here. Then it says it brings them one step closer to becoming United States citizens as it legalizes their immigrant status in the country, which is not true. It also serves as an opportunity for them to exhibit good traits, in other words, good behavior of a responsible future United citizen. Because part of their criteria to be a U.S. citizen is that you are of good moral character. So this is a way to buy yourself. So in other words, breaking the law every single day they're here, they said that they can get around that by paying taxes on illegal money from illegal jobs and illegal businesses. And, and that shows good moral character. Any comments so far, Pianchi? This is irrational. No, it doesn't. Uh, you're still breaking the law by being here illegally and working. But yep. 
another agency say, well, we don't care about that. Just as long as they pay, we can uh, take taxes from them. And that's so what we need. We need, an I, yeah, we need an IRS commissioner um, that's just a bulldog. You know, someone that will go in. This would be a good uh, Peter Navarro position uh, or someone who's really tough. You know, really Banks would give them a credit card, too. Yeah, once they have the ITI number, they get a credit card. Well, see, now, you know my Citizenship Declaration Act, that would be illegal. To give, well, I think it's illegal to give illegal aliens a credit It's illegal to give illegal aliens anything except deportation. That's the only thing that's legal for them. And asset forfeiture and a bunch of you know, some other stuff. Because as you treat them like criminals, listen to this one. You know, another benefit of the illegal alien identification, I'm going to start calling it the, the IA. I am the illegal alien identification number. <laughs> I already got the individual drug identification number. Let's call this the illegal alien identification number. We should change it in the law. So illegal alien. I can give you a whole list of things illegal get when they come to the country. I could email them to you. Okay, that well, sounds good. Well, we'll go we'll go over those on a whole show. I think this one covers it. I got a few. I got a few more here. It says uh, enables uh, to. to, to, to all right. And then it says, by applying for the ITIN, they will be able to file tax returns, allowing them to claim child tax credit and other important economic tax claims. Of course, that's illegal, too. Absolutely, you do. It costs Americans about $141 billion a year. I believe it. Then it says, having an ITIN is permanent for illegal aliens who have children born in the United States. Without the individual taxpayer identification number, their children will not qualify for health care coverage mentioned in the Affordable Care Act. Oh, that's interesting. Now, birthright citizenship is another issue because there's no such thing. We already proved that in another show. This is why we need to go back on the records and cancel all of this stuff. Then it says if you fail to apply for an ITIN, you will not be eligible to apply for health care insurance and will not be able to purchase at uh, full price either. So in other words, illegal aliens get this number so they can get health care. Oh, that's insane too. And the children are not, if they're illegal aliens, those children are not American citizens. Let's get that out there clear and so Trump needs to start campaigning on this. They are not citizens. Well, they can get health care because what they do, they can get driver's license and they can get insurance. Mm-hmm. And the insurance has those benefits in death benefits, accident benefits, which equate to medical benefits of something happened to them in an accident. Yeah. Listen to this one here. Uh, immigrants, immigrants, in other words, alien, illegal aliens who receive payments from an employer, which they can't get either due to a dispute, will not have to pay the highest tax withholding rate. Those without an ITIN will have to pay the highest tax withholding rate when an immigrant worker <laughs> has an ITIN, in other words, an alien. The tax withholding rate will be calculated based on their family status. Well, that's interesting, too. This is illegal aliens. It's, 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 Go ahead. It's when they fill out their W-2 when you're being being hired and they will list that they have nine dependents. They won't go over ten because that kind of raises the flag. <laughs> but they'll list that they have nine dependents and that way you have less withheld from your check. Yeah, that's why they don't, that's why people when they're bringing cash they declare 9,500 as opposed to 10,000 because 10,000 triggers an automatic count. 9,500 doesn't. Or 9,900. It's quite interesting. Here's, here's more on this. The last paragraph. Illig- yeah. 
illegal aliens residing in the United States. Well, that's illegal too. They can't reside in the United States. I mean, this, is, this thing is so full of lies. It's horrible. But it's, they're actually they're saying what is, not what, what's legal. Then it says illegal aliens, I said aliens, residing in the United States should consider filing for an ITIN as it would open a doorway for them to one day apply for citizenship. See, that should be illegal too. They can contact a reputable firm that deals with helping illegal aliens legalize their status in the United States by assisting them obtaining an ITIN. So this is, this is just backdoor citizenship. This is, this is amnesty for illegals. Then it says once they become eligible to apply for a green card to become citizens, they can apply for a social security number to obtain benefits associated with it. There you go. From ITIN to social security number. That's what this is all about. It says if you want to apply for an ITIN, uh, and have any other questions, please feel free to contact. Should I call them? <laughs> this is where I need a producer. I, mean, I should call these guys and say, so why are you guys breaking the law? Why are you allowing illegal aliens to come here? And of course, they'll say, well, the law allows it. You know, I know what the answer is going to be. It says Freedom Tax ITIN number has a professional team of IRS certifying acceptance agents and tax accounting professionals with more than 16 years of experience helping illegal aliens with their ITIN application. Freedom Tax can also help alien entrepreneurs incorporate a business. Oh, that's interesting. Freedom Tax. This is an illegal corporation. This is fascinating. You want to hear more? <laughs> see what else I've got here. Well, see, here's the thing. Uh-huh. As an application you fill out, and you can take it to the IRS office, if the spouse is not here, they won't take it. But if you go to, say, like a tax preparation company, like H&R Block, they mm-hmm. can file it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you will receive it in the mail even though your spouse is not in the country. Hmm. That's been going on for years. As long oh, as they exist. So, so the biggest problem with our, with our country is, is not the, the fact that, uh, you know, Congress is spending too much money and borrowing too much money. The fact is that they, they, they should be audited, that these things are horrible that are going on, um, that all this stuff is well, just Well, the insane. biggest another big part mm-hmm. is that these rules that come out of these bureaucrats should be presented to Congress for vote instead of just automatically becoming a law, like with the ATF. ATF had can come up with a rule at any time. You know, say that your uh, your barrel of your gun has to have strobe lights on it, uh, psychedelic lights. Mm-hmm. And then that's a law. But the find... should have to go to Congress to be voted on. Yeah. Well, all, all regulations should be voted on by Congress. Let me see if there's anything else here. I might want to talk about that gun decision. We can, we can do some other topics. We've got about 45 minutes left. Um, so we can kind of get, I think I've pretty much covered this one. Let me just do one more here. This is the National Immigration Forum, their website, immigrationforum.org, immigrationforum.org. Fact sheet, individual taxpayer identification numbers, ITINs. Talks about what they are. We've already said that. Uh, it's a, this is right from the IRS website. ITINs are issued regardless of immigration status because both resident and non-resident immigrants can have federal tax filing and payment responsibilities. This is fascinating. They were created since they were created in 1996, introduced because residents and non-residents without Social Security numbers were unable to file and pay taxes. Oh, is this a benefit? This was created so all those illegal aliens could pay legal taxes. Oh, this is fascinating. Then it says, how many people use ITINs? Millions of people file taxes using ITINs from 2012 to 2015 on average between 4.4 million and 4.6 million people 
file taxes using an ITIN. Well, that's 4.6 million asset forfeitures right there. They're in the system. They've got their number. So not only should we seize 4.6 million and their family assets, we should also seize the assets of all these companies that are helping them. Fascinating. Then it says, are all ITIN filers undocumented workers? In other words, illegal aliens. It says, no. While most are, <laughs> most are likely undocumented, many are non-residents who have federal tax filing responsibilities and who are unable to acquire a social security number. So how can you have federal tax filing responsibilities and not be able to get a social security number? I don't understand that. What am I missing here, Piaki? You may not understand it, but they do. Well, let me see what this says. It says, such filers include dependents and spouses. I think you mentioned this. Dependents and spouses who are people legally authorized to work in the United States. So in other words, but so, so those folks aren't legal. So if you're, if you're a spouse or a dependent of someone who's legally able to work in the United States, but you're all foreign nationals, say you're all from India, you got an H-1 visa. H-1 visa, you're working in Silicon Valley. You know, and uh, let's say dad is working for Facebook. You know, mom wants to go to work too, but mom's not legally allowed to work in the United States. She shouldn't be able to work in the United States. You know, in fact, can, can visa holders bring in their family, or do they have to come alone? I'm not sure about that. I would no, think they the bring one their on work visa can apply for their wife to come. Kids, too? I bet you the kids, too. Why would you bring them family? Companion. No, but I bet you the, the normal, kids can come. Yeah. Yeah, and a normal man, a normal, let me put it like this, a normal male usually wants to bring his normal female to the country so they can, you know. Do the male-female thing. No, I understand that. No, that, that makes perfect sense. No, I, I understand that. I understand bringing your kids. If you're on an H-1 visa, you're allowed to work here temporarily. I don't mind if the kids come too. I don't care about that either. But what I'm saying is that they can't work here because they'd be taking jobs from Americans that only the person with the visa that has the permit. Now, if the wife applies for payment or say, or say a woman comes in and bring her husband and the husband wants to work here, if they want to apply for a work visa while they're here, I don't have a problem with that either. As long as they go through a process, I don't care. Just follow the process. But what I don't want is people illegally working here. All right, let me see what else we got here. Uh, how, how much do ITIN filers pay in taxes? Oh, here's this is, this is why you ready for this. In 2014, the IRS stated that the ITIN filers paid over $9 billion in annual payroll taxes although it is unclear which specific payroll taxes were included. Well, that's the question. Do they pay Social Security taxes? I don't know. This is additionally the Taxpayer Advocate Service, an internal IRS accountability office, <laughs> there's a contradiction, right, reported that in 2015, ITINs paid $5.5 billion in payroll and Medicare taxes and $23.6 billion in total taxes. We're talking some serious money here. This total tax figure includes federal payroll taxes, Medicare, Social Security, state taxes, and estimated local taxes. So, yes, they are paying payroll taxes illegally because they can't be on a payroll. Then we get to, then we get to the CARES Act. Now, let's get to the COVID part of this. This is which CARES Act benefits include ITIN filers. ITIN filers are ineligible for the $1,200 COVID stimulus check. You know, the rest of this is going to, you know, da, 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 da. Many taxpaying ITIN filers need economic assistance. Wait a minute. You mean they get welfare too? <laughs> this is as the COVID-19 crisis continues, many taxpaying ITNs, as well as their U.S. citizen spouses and children, may not be true, are in dire straits and desperately need financial assistance. Well, there's the welfare 
claim. All right, so that's enough for this article. Then it gives all kinds of, uh, ach, the Iranian and everybody else is here illegally. Uh, I'm going to post these all on Facebook. Let me see if I can find some else. Thank you. Here. Oh, of course, yeah. I'm going to try and get my things like that. I could go over the bills. I'm kind of bored with this. I'm going to do something else. Do, 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 do. Well, these are some serious matters, but see, here's the thing, too. If you had a president that was going to stop all this, then the news is going to jump on their uh, jump on their heads with these bleeding heart stories, bleeding heart excuses. Oh, uh, you're taking this out of the mouth of kids and so forth. Well, you're not supposed to be here. But, you know, hell, let's bring some illegals and let them do your job in your newsroom. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's put illegals in Congress and kick out all those uh... – you know, deep state people. Why not, right? What do we care? This said an affirmative action that 10%, 20% of your newsroom have to be illegals. That's hysterical. What if illegal aliens became a civil rights group? Oh, I think there's a show on that, Pianchi. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a little congested this morning. What if illegal aliens became... I mean, it's like the trans group, which doesn't exist, right? I'm going to talk about trans. Stuff. i got an article on that. Let me just write this down. What if... Illegal aliens. You have to have so many, so many illegal aliens on your NBA basketball team and NFL football team <laughs> to make it diverse. We can't, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm running too fast. Civil rights group. And see, some of these uh, countries like Argentina. Argentina had a pretty good basketball team at uh-huh. one time. I'm sure. So let's bring some of them in and diversify these uh, these leagues. Any white guys on it? I mean, was it truly diverse? It should be, and it has nothing to do with qualifications because in other areas where you want to diversify occupations and so forth, you don't worry uh-huh. about qualifications. You just worry about skin color. No, no, no. Diversity is the opposite of qualification. Diversity is the opposite of merit. Diversity is, right. is, is proportional representation regardless of merit. That's why it's so evil. I only see regardless I of skills. Down. Yes, you're right. Yep, yep. Well, as I say about affirmative action, in fact, I want reparations for affirmative action, by the way. I've been discriminated against my whole life in this country. It'd be a nice thing to get. Did I ever read the article, uh, The War for the World? Do you remember that one? No, I don't remember that. You know, Joe Biden spoke at Howard University, which is a historical black college. What, what's a historical black reference. college? It's either a black college or it's not a black college, right? What's a historical black college? Well, it's because white males who had a lot of kids didn't want their kids going to school with native blacks, so they created those schools for their, Did their you say white males with black kids? Say that again? This is getting interesting. White males with mulatto kids, in other words, okay. half and half. Right. Well, they didn't want they they didn't want that child going to school with with slave kids, uh, uh, black kids, a uh, native. Uh, Why was because that? Because they thought oh, they were better. They get a better education. You ever heard of? Uh, let's see. What is it saying? Light bright down there, white. I've never heard that. But I, I'm so sheltered when it comes to this stuff, anyway. No, but I mean that, uh, that isn't. You know, that's like that article that you post on uh, on the fact that the race of the teacher makes no difference. That people don't learn better from a person of the same race. 
which when I read it, I mean, the title was absurd. I don't learn from somebody because of their race. I learn from somebody because they're smart, because they know stuff. Well, that's the whole hmm. thing that goes on with, with the, the, the cry about black history being taught. It's uh-huh. not that they want the history being taught, but they say only blacks can teach it. So it's a back way, it's a back door way of getting people hired that otherwise wouldn't be hired because of their degree is not uh, not taught at. So what if you blindfolded the students and had a black teacher and a white teacher, assuming that they weren't easily identified by their vocal qualities, like you and me? <laughs> you know, how, would you know the difference? Depends. <laughs> You know, for anybody that doesn't know, I'm white and Bianchi's black. But I just say, if anybody doesn't know, I'm white, Bianchi's black. And I think if people had never seen us, pictures of us, they'd kind of know that just by our voices. Just a guess. Well, not not, uh, not necessarily because I had people, when I showed up in some place, they say, oh, I thought you was white. Huh. You know, for a long time, I thought, you know, the Righteous Brothers that sang uh, Unchained Melody and some of those other songs, I thought they were black. Yeah. Which is kind of funny when, yeah, I think a lot of people think too. Those guys aren't black; they're white guys. Well, they sound black. <laughs> you know, we could do this one all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Looks like I have a new caller. So those are the tricks that they use in order to um, gain inroads into areas. But uh, no, but the, you know, this uh, this really diversified thing. The way mm-hmm. you they talk about inclusion. And let's bring people in from uh, let's the illegals. It, the illegals should be part of the newsroom. Illegals should be part of your uh, your sports team. Well, aren't they cops in California? Wasn't there a move to to make them cops? I don't know about that. I heard something on the news. They had something like that. Um, that uh, yeah, that was situation. So uh, that that to me is hysterical. You know, so we shall see. Anyway, I'm going to do. A, I'm going to have to put. Uh, I'm going to have to play something. But I got, I got to screen this call because um, I don't recognize the number, and so folks should know that uh, I do that. <laughs> you know, I screen every call. Uh, I don't know who you are. If I do know who you are, I've already, I already record the numbers of everybody that calls in. So I'll tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to play something here for about a minute or so, and uh, hopefully I'll get this call screened. Uh, what should we play? Anything? Uh, that we can do that would be kind of fun to sort of occupy us for a minute. Let me give you one of my I don't have that. Isn't that wild? I don't have the national anthem. Let me give you some fife and drums. Put us in a, in a patriotic mood. Where's my, where's, where's that? Let's see how long that piece is. Fife and drums. It's a minute and eight seconds. Okay, I'll be, I'll be right back.
Now, that's the perfect call screening music. Now, I'm looking at uh, actually talking to someone about possibly producing, but uh, in that case, they would handle all that stuff, as, especially as we get busier. But uh, that person's a listener, and they're going to stay a listener for the rest of the show because uh, they didn't want to talk to me. So, you know, I don't put people on the air unless they talk to me off the air. All right. So black universities, this is fascinating. So what did he say there? He was talking about white supremacy. So picture the image. I, mean, I got this image in my head of, of white Brandon talking before a black university about white supremacy. What's wrong with this picture? It's a uh, showboating. Okay. What does he think he's doing? Because we know he panders, <clears throat> excuse me, horribly. You know, he's lying the- for one thing. He said that according to the FBI, white supremacy is, is, is the uh, is uh, the most what do you say, challenging a terrorist. Mm-hmm. To the United States. Well, see, that, that's interesting because who is the only entity that can actually carry out white supremacy? I'm not talking about discrimination. Well, I'm not talking about assault. I'm not talking about violence, but actual white supremacy. Who is the only entity that can carry that out on a widespread scale? Well, there's many answers. Let me hear yours. Government. The, 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 the largest white supremacist government, to my knowledge in the world, was Nazi Germany, right? They were the white supremacists, the Aryan race, the blonde, blue-eyed thing that, you know, none of the Nazis were. <laughs> They're all dark-haired, short, and, you know, wimpy little guys. For the most part, Hitler and Hitler were kind of short. But the, the point is that they had this vision of the Aryan so white supremacy can only really be carried out by government, particularly tyrannical government, totalitarian government, in other words, leftist government. So the only real, the only real white supremacists that can do something about it on a mass scale, in other words, deportation, extermination, you know, oppression or things like that, is government because government's the only entity big enough. Now, you can have white supremacy groups like the neo-Nazis, which are basically you know, wannabe Nazis, uh, or any other supremacist group. But what they do is violence. They cannot, they cannot implement a supremacy policy on a wide number of people. All they can do is assault, kill, oppress you know, individuals, whatever the, the, the limits, and they can blow things up and do that kind of stuff. But if you're talking about widespread white supremacy, the only entity that can really do it is government. That's my contention. Jackie? Well, that's not the, the left. Does it? Uh, Biden calls white supremacy most dangerous terrorist threat. Then he quotes, I think he quoted FBI, but that's not true. So that means that only whites are doing supremacy over other people in a widespread way. Well, threat, terrorist threat, threats. Who? So let me ask you: Who is the most threat committing terroristic acts in the United States? The Department of Justice. Nope. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I'm going to give you two more guesses. The IRS? Hey, you should know. <laughs> the, <laughs> terrorist threat. What oh, the terrorist, terrorist threat? Oh, uh, yeah, it's on Black Lives Matter. How's that? No, the blackmail. The blackmail, okay. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Well, you've seen the data. The data says that the, per 100,000, the black male is like 219. The white male is like 8. The black female so, is like 16. 
I've got uh, I've got Warren on the live chat. Uh, this might be a great time, Warren. If you want to call, we only got about twenty seven minutes left. Uh, I'll, I'll take. I'm not going to take all your comments because it gets a little rambling. But this would be interesting. I want to know the difference between white males and black males. I mean, in terms of uh, U.S. experience, culture, history, whatever. What is it that makes black males so much more violent than white males, or Asian males for that matter, or even Native American? And I'm not sure Hispanic males. You know, come in this, but let's talk about eighteen-year-olds. You know, why? What is it that? Uh, what's such? Why is it so different? I mean, besides the obvious answer, you're going to say, "Oh yeah, poverty, crime, the, you know, gangs, drugs, things like." That. But what is what is the real reason? What is the real reason behind such a great proportion of young black men being so violent, so dangerous, and committing so many crimes? Piaggi. Well, I couldn't, you know, you ask the question. The only thing you can do is look at the data. Okay. And then you can do, people do further research and come up with all sorts of reasons why they think. But uh, you couldn't talk about these things if they weren't happening. And that's the point. It's not talked about. And the people who they represent that look like them is the ones that have to change it. You can't expect whites to change it. You can't expect Nigerians to change it or Eskimos, but they don't want to do it. Their leaders don't want to talk about it. So who benefits from violent black men? Who benefits? There's got to be money in it or power in it. It's usually the two motivating factors. Who benefits from it? Uh Uh-huh. Well, you can look at the, it's something as simple as your automobile insurance. You have uh, automobiles insurance you're trying to get in a certain area, it's going to be higher. Right. Because of case study. Look at your, in your schools, you got people with uh, psychological degrees, psychologist degrees, they want to be hired in your public schools to be on staff. Mm-hmm. We're still not, we, we, this would be, this would be a good thing for us to explore. Let's get down because we're pretty free to discuss things here. And so if we actually your analyze budget, you see, uh-huh. your public safety budget, like in the city of St. Louis, 51% of their annual budget in one year was going toward public safety, which includes the police. Yeah. Homeowners insurance is higher in those areas because of burglary and things like that. You know, it would be interesting to get Larry Elder on the show if we could possibly do that. You know, the he's from South Central L.A. That's a, that's a particularly – it's like Compton. Uh, what was the, the movie, Boys in the Hood? I think that was uh, like a documentary of that area. Uh, he'd be interesting to have on. And see, the thing is, the problem – and I'm going to get to Warren's comments in just a bit. Warren's got a, a couple of interesting comments here. He's from Wake Up. He's from New Orleans Wake Up. And what's interesting is that, that you and I could discuss things that you couldn't discuss on most other shows because they, first of all, they called me a racist just for opening my mouth because I'm a white guy. Um, they call you uh, something, Uncle Tom, whatever they call you. Um, oh, I'll tell you what Warren calls you. He says, Pianchi's role on your platform is to be the black face that gives comfort to racists. Have you heard that before? Is that like a common criticism? No, I speak, of, this, I speak the same thing on many platforms. I'm starting to hear it. Some uh, news commentators make these uh, and make these same assertions using the same data. Okay. I was listening to a show on the FM station in in the St. Louis area, and the commentator was making these uh, making these points. When you talk yeah. to people, they make the same points. They agree. 
But see, that stifles debate. We can't solve this problem or even talk about this issue if we can't talk about it openly. If, if white folks are so afraid they're going to be called a racist, they can't ask why young black men are more violent than, than young white men, then we're never going to get anywhere, even though that's the obvious truth and everybody knows it. You know, I think there are a lot of reasons for it. You know, we can talk about fathers. We can talk about, uh, um, you know, uh, what is it? The Soros BAs, you know, let folks out. Um, and he says, he asks, uh, he asks you why you have an African name. Your person, your that's, because that's what my parents, that's what my parents named me. But your person is on my birth certificate. Your person's uh, like the person that got the uh, quote unquote held and died. Uh-huh. They say due to strangulation. He had 42 encounters with the police. He should have been in jail. Yeah. See, that's one of the biggest problems is 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 the the letting go is, is the. Uh, uh, yeah, well, there's black privilege. I mean, the black privilege is pretty obvious. In other words, you know, you can't put me in jail because I'm black because blacks are disproportionately in jail. That's circular logic. You know, the reason mm-hmm. that there are more you know, black people in jail is because more black people are committing crimes. Now, is there equal justice in terms of ability to afford lawyers and different things like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. I'm, in fact, I'm sure of it. But uh, I mean, every I mean, how much would uh, how, what kind of a fair trial would I get with an all black jury? Just as an example. You think I get a fair trial? Well, it depends what that all-black jury is. Well, you know, if you're a fair... sandwich, you're going to be indicted. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. Now, what's what's interesting about Warren uh, from New Orleans Wake Up, who is obviously you know Marxist, is that he's going after you much more than he's going after me. In other words, you, Pianki, proud black man. <laughs> I, I should play your shaving. I'm going to play your shaving cream commercial for, for for Warren just because it pisses him off. Um, but why are you more well, interested than me? They do if go after blacks, but they can't do nothing to me. I don't depend on them for nothing. They can't well, fire me. But isn't they it can't fascinating? They can't deny me contracts and other stuff. Right. But we're talking about white supremacy, and the black guy seems more of a threat to the, to the Marxist. That, to me, is fascinating. Yeah, because what they do is uh, levels out the argument. They present the other side of the argument. Like I was listening to a, a woman, and mm-hmm. it wasn't just me that made this comment to her. She was talking about the Tuskegee experiment, mm-hmm. and we told her what the Tuskegee experiment was named after the town that it was made in. Mm-hmm. And I say they don't never talk about the white males that was forcibly injected with malaria as an experiment. Yeah, they don't talk about the, the white Republicans that were lynched along with. Uh... Uh, independent black folks in the South either by the KKK. You, know, you never hear about that. Uh, it's interesting what's yeah. left out of history. Yeah. So this is for Warren. I want to play something uh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> so just to set this up again for, for our new listeners, uh, especially Marco, I don't think he's heard this yet. Uh, we've got, we got about four people, uh, actually three people, uh, on the, the chat right now, which is kind of interesting. Um, so we've got uh, Duck from Northwest Media. So Duck, feel free to make a comment too. Um, I make a lot of sarcastic pieces. I made most of these back during the COVID lockdown because I was bored. I couldn't go anywhere. So, I, you know, I don't get mad. I get creative. And Pianchi and I were talking one day, and Pianchi talked about Governor Northrop uh, and um, Justin Trudeau in, in uh, Canada, Prime Minister of Canada, going blackface. And <laughs> he says to me, is you know what really bothers me, Greg? No, I don't know, Pianchi, what? He says, I have, you know, that white shaving cream. I have to go in white face every morning. And, and I just, I'm on the floor. I'm laughing so hard. I almost, you know, I almost had to stop the show. I was laughing. It was just one of those things. So anyway, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to make a, make a commercial with this new business. And, and this is what I came up with. 
It's morning, and you are a proud black man. You go to the mirror. You are reminded of Governor Northrop of Virginia and Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada, both of whom appeared in blackface. And there you are. You just put on your shaving cream. And what do you see? Whiteface. It's bad enough that leftist aspiring dictators are choosing to go in blackface, but you, proud black man, have no choice but to appear in whiteface every morning you shave. Now, direct from Pianchi Laboratories, comes a great new product made especially for you, proud black man, Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream. Yes, Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream will give you your black face back during your morning shave. For Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream is the first ever black shaving cream. Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream comes in three shades, dark, darker, and darkest. So now, proud black man, you have a choice. You can stay in white face every morning, or you can join black men everywhere and choose Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream every morning. Yes, to me that's funny. <laughs> and and because I'm kind of bold on this show, I don't know how many white guys would actually make that, you know, political piece and then play it on their own show, but I do. Oh, he's left. He's probably got distracted by something. Is it time for the market to open? That should get you an Oscar. Not an yeah. Oscar, but a Grammy. <laughs> Uh, our listener dropped his call, which is which is good. He wasn't doing anything anyway. Uh, yeah, he really gets after you. He says, uh, "This is um, uh, wake up New, or- New Orleans. Wake up!" Says Pianchi's role is to be the voice that demonizes black people instead of you saying it. Have I demonized anybody? He says you won't say it because you know very well that what Pianchi says is racist. I says I'm not honest. Okay, so you're the racist and I'm the liar. <laughs> this is according to uh, our, our Marxist from New Orleans. Wake up! This is really fascinating. Well. Obviously, this touches a nerve. So we talk, we tell stories like it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what we do. Well, At least what, I do. Yeah, I do too. But what what it proves to me uh, is that the left, through folks like Warren and New Orleans Wake Up, use intimidation, use threat, use guilt, use manipulation, use all kinds of things in order to get their way. So, in other words, this is this is a political tactic. Um, to use terms like racist and everything else like that. So my response to that is to have fun. I might even play uh, uh, the January White Sale while I'm here. Warren hates that one. Uh, this is what there's, this is, this is, um, there's that? black racist. There's black of racist. There racism is that. You know, well, it really, I did, uh-huh. I, you know, when people start talking about getting in that time machine, going back, I even don't care to even discuss that because it's, it's uh it, give, it, it gets down to the pertinent question is, so what you going to mm-hmm. do about it? Yeah. So yeah, that's a good question. The, yeah, what are you going to do about it? It's nothing. But it's just whine and, and groan. What's the what's uh, French girl's famous whine? I don't want to go to San Francisco. So uh, that's what it amounts to. Yeah, and but it's the most yeah. important thing to talk about, like the governor of uh, Washington writing mm-hmm. a bill saying that they'll take your kids, the government will take your kids if you don't offer your kids up for a gender reassignment if they want to. See, that's terrorism. That to me is terrorism. And as uh, and Warren hasn't heard this yet, but um, but what what uh, one of the bills I'm going to be writing. In fact, we talked about this on the show uh, a while back. That it, I've come to the revelation that uh, <laughs> a point for you, Pia, you're going to like this. Um, that uh, this first of all, it's not gender affirming care because they're changing gender or they're trying to. So that's a lie. 
Uh, the other lie is that you can actually change your gender. The fact that they use the word gender is a lie because it's actually sex. So your people are trying to change their sex through surgery and drugs. Well, that can't be done because you can't change your chromosomes. So all you can do is change your appearance in what I'm calling cosmetic and elective surgery. So the, so the, the, so I would redefine uh, trans surgery to take that word out in law. I mean, people can call it whatever they want, but in law, it is cosmetic elective surgery and drugs. That's what it is. And because it's cosmetic and elective, it shouldn't be covered by insurance. Uh, and it's not a civil rights group because it's not a group at all. It's an individual choice to have cosmetic uh, surgery or cosmetic drugs um, or both. And if people want to do that, I don't care. That's, that's not a problem for me as long as you don't affect the kids. But this idea that you can take kids who won't go through permanent mutilation and permanent drug damage and the parents who are trying to protect their kids from that could lose their kids, that's irrational. That's insane. That's just downright dangerous. That is the state going way beyond because that's terrorism. That's oppression. That's real oppression. If kids can be taken from parents who are trying to protect them from the, the, the Frankenstein medicine monsters and psychologists, then that governor deserves to be in jail. Or maybe give him the treatment. But, uh, Bianca, did, did you comment? Uh, does that make sense? I think we've talked about this before, but just to sort of reinforce for the new folks, um, that the so-called trans care is really um, elective surgery and elective uh, drug therapy. Make sense? Well, yes, if you are of age, but if you're a child, it's not. No, no, leave the kids out of it because we've we got to protect the kids. But if an adult wants to make that choice, that's not a civil rights choice any more than getting no, Botox or boob job. That's a right. Yeah, a person right. adult can choose to do uh, what they ever really want to do with their body. Yeah. But just like a grown person should be able to say whatever they want to say, make comments in any way that they want to. Well, here's, here's the amusing thought. Here's my politically incorrect statement for the day. So if, uh, if someone has you know, breast implants for cosmetic reasons, that's called a boob job. Uh, if someone tries to uh, uh, change their appearance to appear as the opposite sex, could that be called a sex job? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you recognize it to be. I'm so, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down to the the, uh, the clinic for a sex job. Oh, really? What are you doing? Well, I'm having some things removed, some things added, and uh, having some a whole bunch of drugs and, and hormone drugs. Oh, okay. Well, good luck with your sex job. Just like I said, good luck with your nose job. <laughs> I mean, so the, so I want to introduce that into the common lexicon, the sex job. Um, yeah, that oh. sounds great. Okay, so I'm gonna start using that but sex job. It gets down uh-huh. to this: a dog can do whatever they please. They can have tattoos, piercing. Sure. Uh, I never stop anybody from doing this. Yeah. So whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So whenever we talk about but this, we're saying we're talking about adults. Kids, that's when, yeah. yeah, when so, you go to mess with kids, that's when you have to draw the line. Let's just, for anybody that, that has a question on this, I'm just going to say permanently let, you know, that we're not talking about kids here. Anytime we talk about uh, sex jobs, you know, we're talking about adults, consenting, fully informed adults. Um, but uh, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> I can start calling it that. So instead of gender-affirming I'm going to put this in my glossary, right? So instead of gender-affirming care, we're going to call it a sex job. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having way too much fun this morning. Gender-affirming. And you know, gender- the, the goal uh-huh. to show you how to unbalance things is, right? like a child, uh, 12, can get an abortion without telling their parents, but they can't vape. Or get an aspirin. Uh, a child of 12 can... Uh, people have a problem when they hear about a, a person that's 21 marrying somebody, a girl that's 12. 
but they have no problem with uh, taking that 12-year-old from the parents and permitting them to have uh, these transformations with their body, removal of breasts or penis or augmentation of the genitals or whatever. They say that's okay, but for a 20-year-old to marry a 12-year-old, even though the parent approves of it, they frown on that. Yeah, it's immoral, even if it is legal. Yeah, um, that, 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 so that's interesting. Well, they have five-year-old wives in in Afghanistan. I guess that's what we were fighting for over there. Um, but this whole thing is is uh, this is a fascinating debate, and I'm trying to change the debate to to take this away from a civil rights group and make an individual choice because you're not a civil rights group. You know, if you're a trans person, and like I say, I wouldn't stop any. We've had trans people on the show. I've had two of them. You know, I, I'm fine. More power to them. You want this is if this makes you happy, great. I think that's a wonderful thing, but don't try and make it a political movement. You know, so, I mean, you know, I, I say, oh, so Warren said the same comment twice. He says, Greg, just come out and say that you're a white racist and proud. I would have more respect for you. Warren, I don't give a damn about your respect for me. I really don't. Um, so, so the idea that I should say something that's a blatant lie, if you if would only respect me when I lie, then I don't respect that either. So not only do I not respect you, <laughs> I don't respect your comment. This guy, so, so is this well, you know, here's the thing. Racism is not illegal unless you violate somebody's civil rights. Absolutely. Prison be a racist all day long. They're not doing anything mm-hmm. illegal. Yeah, somebody's mumbling and controlling about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You violate another universe, U.S. citizen civil rights, then that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, the terminology for racism has became so broad as the Mississippi River that it can be anything. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't think racism really means much uh, because race, you know, capitalism at least talks about money. What is race? What is racism? You know, the, the, the study of race? No. It, no it's, like it's, a, it's meaningless anymore. It's, yeah. it's just totally meaningless. It's not even worth discussion. It's a war. It's a beat out the horse. It beat the horse to death. Leave him alone. Let him die. Yeah. I really like having uh, New Orleans wake up on, on uh, the live chat instead of calling in. <laughs> I, think I, I think I might keep him there because he makes the same kind This way I can just read his comments that I want and not have to deal with the, the stupid stuff. But uh, apparently, so, well, I want to talk about white supremacism again because I'm trying to figure out the motivation behind using this term. So we know that the white supremacists were leftist Nazis. We know that it takes a government to actually impose any kind of white supremacist policy, which would be either extermination or mass deportation. Those are, those are the avowed aims of, of, quote, white supremacy. They'd be the same aims of black supremacy, Hispanic supremacy, Asian supremacy, or anybody else's supremacy. Look at China, Chinese Communist Party. They are Chinese supremacists. They hate anybody in the country that isn't Chinese, whether they're uh, – or I'm sure the Mongolians up north don't do well, but to anybody in the country, Tibetans, for example. Remember Richard Gere had a big free Tibet thing. So Tibetans don't do well in China. Supremacists. Well, Japanese were supremacists, absolutely. Oh, Japanese culture? Yeah, if you're not Japanese in Japan? Oh, yeah. Horrendous. Horrendous, horrendous to their neighbors, China. Yeah. So um, they're, they're actually racist the Batan, nationalists. Bataan, Batam, Death March. Uh, uh-huh. When Doolittle landed in China, they went over into China and killed over 250,000 Chinese. I believe it. So that was, now, was that uh, nationalist or racist? Because we're talking Asian to Asian if it's Chinese and Japanese, but that's nationalist supremacy. In other words, the Japanese nation is superior to everybody else. 
Now they've changed. And the Japanese are me. We're fabulous friends. <laughs> you know, in fact, our show is our show is carried in Japan. Hey, hey Japan, we got a Skype line if you want to call in. Uh, all the time's a little different, but you know, it's probably late night there. Um, but this idea of white supremacy, why is this coming about now? It's so easy to defeat it because all it is, you know, the real white supremacists again um, were the people that either believe in government extermination or mass deportation. How else do you express supremacy? I mean, really, unless you unless you have terrorism over. Uh, people like occupation. So in other words, if you invade another country, you can exhibit supremacy over that other country by invading them and, and subjugating them to your will. Like Russia and all of Eastern well, Europe. Well, it would be in economics. You know, you look at aircraft mm-hmm. manufacturing, if you look at offshore drilling, the companies that uh, are supreme in them are usually white owned. Hmm. Automobile I'm a... manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Technology in certain aspects. I mean, you put a face on those, but you can How does that figure, though? I want to explore this a little bit more. How, how does technology become a supremacist? It's when you control a major share of it. And when that's, people want to change something, they usually have to come to you. Yeah, but that's, that's, that, that could be just good business. In other words, if you have a. Well, we. we Monopolies, you know, are subject to antitrust laws, so we know that those are anti-competitive, and they're not good for the country anyway. To have one, like Standard Oil, was not good for the country. You know, the entire energy supply owned by John D. Rockefeller. But is that supremacy? See, supremacy to me is an ideological belief. It's not a. It's not. Uh, it can manifest itself. It can manifest itself in an actuality, but it really, it's not anything as an ide- you want to. Okay. When it comes down to philanthropy, the face okay. on that is usually white. So you can say white. Supreme in philanthropy. So, are whites generally more generous in terms of charitable donations? When you look at the most charitable nations, yes. Okay. You look at the freest nations too. Started in yeah. Western Europe, England. Uh, we have a lot of folks from Germany. Religious freedom, the freest countries, and you look at the world today. Are you know the free, although it's changing a lot, it's changing really fast. But let's go back um, 1,500 years ago. The freest countries in the world were generally European or North American, white countries. Why is that? That's where most immigrants want to go to. Right. To make a better life for themselves, right? Uh-huh. Now, I, I listen, but That's my contention is that – well, here's a question too. So you take any country in the world. This is why I think El Salvador is such a great example. We're talking a Latino nation, right, a Hispanic nation. Um, that is doing really well. I should do, I'm going to do, do a whole show on El Salvador. I'm going to look into that country. Because what they prove, and this is, this is like what, what you, the reason that uh, racists like, um, and supremacists, black supremacists like uh, Warren from New Orleans wake up, the reason they hate you so much is you basically ruin their argument. That's why he's more angry with you than me. Although he wants me to admit something that isn't true. You know, so, so I, I, want, I want Warren, why don't you admit that you're a racist, that you're a black supremacist, that you believe in subjugating everybody uh, who doesn't agree with you. You're actually an ideological supremacist because you think Marxism is the way to go. And you use words like white supremacy to try and put down people to uh, kowtow and bend to your will uh, for something that is complete oppression. So you're actually you actually what, are uh, what you're railing against. Go ahead. Many of your black elected officials use that too. Corey Bush, she used every yeah. other sentence. And uh, you got uh, Booker, 
Mm-hmm. In New Jersey, he uses every other sentence singly because it's been hammered in to listeners, especially black listeners, and when they hear it, they perk their ears and will gravitate to it. But like you say, the most of the world that's coming to better themselves come to white nations. They don't go to Nigeria. But Nigerians come here and do very well because my point is that Nigerians don't do well here because they're black, nor you know Nigerians do well here because they work hard, because they create things. Yeah, they do. So, so the so yeah, what my contention major is major in medical field here, right? Whereas the native black American don't. So if if black is the problem. See, Nigerians defy the argument because black is not the problem. It's American black culture, environment, oppression by Democrats, black Democrats, that, that really is the problem. The black plantation, the Democrat plantation is the problem because if black were a problem, you know, Stella Emanuel, uh, doctor, Dr. Emanuel, who was on the show earlier, you know, several months ago, she's from Cameroon. She's a black woman I doctor. Have re, I have to requalify what I said. I said blacks don't. I say well, it should be disproportionately. They don't. They're not proportional of their numbers. Right. And really, I think you probably have got the best you're going to get for what you're trying to achieve or what you're working with. You know, when you got a major school district, like uh, St. Louis mm-hmm. Public School District, has a population of less than, but right at twenty thousand, less than twenty thousand students. That is ridiculous for a major city. Mm-hmm. Less than twenty thousand. Remember, it used to be over a hundred thousand. So what has happened? Well, the people have fled. Not only white blacks have fled. Blacks mm-hmm. flee those areas, and the ones that uh, that children are doing very well, outstanding. They don't get any acclamation, get any credit. Of course, they probably don't seek it. I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. You know, the one organization, National Society of Black Engineers, lists its 50 uh, best employers, and they list companies from Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing, Caterpillar, CIA, Department of Defense, and the FBI. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. They never give any claim. Now, you got some of these folks, people out there that say that uh, blacks with high skills shouldn't work for white companies cost you furthering white supremacy. But they're not white companies. Well, hell, what do you got for them? What do you got for them to work? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, what is a, what is a white company? Now, here's a question, too. You know, it'd be nice to have, you know, more entrepreneurs, diverse, I guess. You know, but the thing is that uh, the, I think white guys, you know, mo- you look at most of the inventions in the world. The vast majority of inventions are invented by white guys. You know, I'll point out a few examples, the automobile, the airplane, the computer, you know, huge advances in medicine, spacecraft, you know, there's all kinds of things that are basically invented by white guys. Now, that's, that's you know, so would would more be better if more people did? Yeah, there's a reason you don't see a lot of Nobel Prizes for innovation uh, coming out of uh, Asian countries, because the culture does not, that's my 60-second morning, the culture does not promote the individual. Well, let's talk about Nigerian culture. Does Nigeria promote the individual? Or is it the individuals from Nigeria who want to succeed come here because we do promote the individual, at least we used to? Well, your, your Nobel laureates that are black, quote-unquote, they're in mm-hmm. peace and literature. 
you know, peace with Obama, which mm-hmm. shouldn't really get it. Well, that's not that's not and a real award. That's that's a fake award. Literature, but, Tony Morrison. Yeah. But if you look at this country, uh, look at the United States, look at most countries, the warmer. Now, here's, here's where climate might have a, a major factor. You look at the warmer climates. You look at the South. What do we got? Cooking, music. We got blues. You know, we've got uh, artists. Play, uh, we've got playwrights. I mean, Mark Twain was a Southerner. Um, you know, the South is where the, where the culture, you know, where the art, where the music is huge. What do you got up North? factories, industrialists, you know, <laughs> machine plants. You, 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 and you look at Germany, it's the same thing. You look at most, uh, most of the European countries, I think it's going to be the same thing. Look at Italy, southern Italy, you know, the Neapolitans, the, 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 the folks in, you know, Napoli. You know, there's one, that's different. Then you go up to Tuscany up north. <laughs> that's where all the industrialists are. That's where the, I think Ferraris, you know, up north in Italy. So climate has a lot to do with this, too. It's really interesting. Warm climates generally produce more artists, and I think colder climates produce more factories and industrialists. I just find that interesting. But we never think about that. And, you know, another point, too, to make mention is that skin color don't mean kin. Yeah, Ben Carson proved that. So did uh, Clarence Thomas. Um, but this country has a peculiar attitude. It's almost like they expect black uh, Americans not to succeed. And when they do, it's like, oh, gee, wow. Despite all the racism and oppression, they succeeded. No, they just worked hard. But everybody has to work hard. I have to work hard. You know, I, you know I'm not succeeding or failing at Action Radio because I'm a white guy. Because no one else has done it. There's nothing to compare it to. But getting back to my contention that if you look at El Salvador, you look at Nigeria, uh, El Salvador is going to be prosperous not because they're Hispanic or they're not going to not be prosperous because they're Hispanic. They're going to succeed because they're free. They have a greater degree of freedom in El Salvador than the rest of Central and South America. That's going to make them more prosperous. The reason the United States is the freest, is the most prosperous country in the world is because of the freest. Now, there are excesses, obviously, company towns, capitalism, monopolies, all that kind of stuff, exploitation, child labor. We know that. We're not going to change the history. But the point is that if your country is free, it's not the, the whiteness that makes this country prosperous and free. It's the laws, the attitudes, and the culture. Culture of freedom that brings you know, an economic prosperity. So any country in the world, I contend that any country in the world can be prosperous you know, as long as they're free. If they change their attitude, change their government, change their corrupt practices, I'm not saying it's easy to do, but if they change and become a free country in the true sense of our founding, they will be a prosperous country. I don't think any other result is possible. You know, you may mention, you may mention a Nigerian, and out of that ethnic group, you see a preponderance of the population that's in academics that's carrying multi-degrees more so than any probably more so than any other, maybe probably maybe a little bit behind the Indians, but uh, they multi-degrees. You see engineers and doctors, and a degree held by one person. You'll find in families where you have both the wife and the husband, the medical doctors. you see them in science and uh, holding uh, PhDs and masters in two disciplines or maybe more. Mm-hmm. And they're black, Nigerians, they're Wesley Yeah, exactly. Well, he's pretty successful. Uh, Louis Armstrong was pretty successful, and he was, he did all his stuff during segregation. How do you explain that? Harry Tubman was pretty successful too. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When she went to Auburn, Auburn uh, New York, she was very successful. Mm-hmm. Prosperous lady. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of a bunch of musicians I've had. Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn. They all operated during segregation. How did that happen? Interesting, huh? Well, the, because they worked hard. And exactly. all ethnic groups got uh, obstacles and ups mm-hmm. and downs. Yeah, you know what you're looking at and who you're talking about. So, so, the, so are we talk, when you say that Nigerians are, are you know, academics, successful doctors, lawyers, things like that, are you talking Nigerians that come to the United States or Nigeria as a culture, as a country in general, that they, they emphasize, you know, people well, you becoming doctors? Well, you have to develop doctors. the culture at home. You have to develop, develop the culture where you come from. Then people that come here, first and second generation, they, grow, they are growing up in a family that right. still maintain their culture here in the United States. You know, okay. they have a Nigerian-American beauty contest, Cameroon, Ethiopia, Ghana, they have their own beauty contest, their own women. Uh, they don't mix in with the African American beauty contest. See, that's, see, this is a this is a fascinating study. That I don't think people have. We've talked about it, but maybe we should talk about this more. That it's not being black that's really the issue here. It's 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 a nationality. It's an attitude, and it's a culture. So if you take a, a Nigerian black immigrant compared to uh, an American black person who feels completely oppressed and won't do anything. You got two black people. So black's not the issue. It's the, it's the, the, the rationality. It's the excuse. But if this country were truly racist, you wouldn't have any successful Nigerians. You wouldn't have any successful Cameroon, Cameroonians. <laughs> I don't know what you say. Someone from Cameroon, Ghanans. You wouldn't have any successful people. Right. Because, because yeah, if, if this is a racist country, other than yeah. even when they move to the areas, they don't move in the hood, should we say, urban areas. They move beyond in areas that uh, like Belleville, Illinois. My goodness. Hmm. I don't know it, but it, uh, uh, it's Maryland Heights. Like, you know, you're yeah. going way out into what's uh, like 90% white areas. Uh, St. Peter's, Missouri. I'm sorry, yeah, St. Peter's, Missouri, across the Missouri River, where blacks came out of Ferguson, fled across the Missouri River. Now they live in places like Wentzville, Mexico, Missouri, mm-hmm. St. Peter's, Missouri. And these areas were majority white, and damn near here, all white police departments. Yeah, it's fascinating. We'll have to continue this another day, but it, it, it does raise a lot of questions. But this, uh, I always laugh at the term white supremacy because <laughs> it's funny, you know, especially if Warren has been trying to call me a white supremacist all morning. Um, it, it, it's kind of amusing. You know, it, it, and here's the leftist tactic. Admit that you're this. No, I'm not that. Uh, and and it, it's like trying to force me into it. And then he says, you know, like, you know, I'll get, I'll, you know, I'll get his respect, which is really even funnier because I don't want it. I don't care. I don't need it. All right. Let's, um, let's pick this up. Let's see if we can analyze uh, this in terms of the violent aspects. You know, what, what is it about young black men? What happens to young black men in this country? Young black American men, because it's not happening Nigerian, Cameroonian, Ghanan, um, Jamaican maybe, Puerto Rican, I'm not sure. Um, but there's something peculiar about what we do in this country to create so many 
um, we have to change something to stop you know young black men from being so violent. There's got to be something that has to be done about that. All right. Last comment, sir. Anything else you want to add to this? Well, I don't think it's about what we, we whoever we is, they need to be better defined, too. I think it's what they are okay. not doing. Right. There was some coming out of that particular grouping, which is only about, what, about 4% of the population? Yeah. Black males are what, about less than 6% of the U.S. population. Then in that population, you got this uh, percentage that's causing a lot of these problems. Interesting. Okay, lots to talk about, but at least we can talk about it here. That's that, and and uh, so all the Warrens of the world that try and stop our conversation with with uh, needless, stupid dialogue and false accusations and uh, admissions, manipulations, and guilt and everything else like that. It's not going to work. We're still going to talk about it the way we talk about things here. Pianki, thank you very much. This has been a, a wonderful discussion. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, you take care. So just to give the websites, so we're almost out of here. I played everything I need to play. So the only thing left is uh, is our website here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. We're on the air live 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time uh, at this location here. Um, our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E, write, W-R-I-T-E, your, Y-O-U-R, laws, L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, I've got a huge Substack article, uh, gregpenglis.substack.com. And of course, this one's on our plan to remove some 50 million illegal aliens, primarily using the ITIN number and the IRS um, to uh, seize assets, assets and property. Uh, and the last one would be our two contribution sites, um, which is uh, givesendgo.com slash action radio and uh, paypal.com slash paypalme slash action radio. And that should do it. Only thing left to play is our classical music piece on the way out. And I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.